0: So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick.
1: So, if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make
2: us well? The answer is absolutely yes.
0: You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Amor, and John. Welcome enormously important that you do have the right friends if they make you a better person than you otherwise would be that's the ultimate gift it deals for the most part with success it deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them people look at you strange saying you change like you worked that hard to stay the same like you're doing all this for a reason remind yourself this fight that you're in this is what will make you stronger
3: i am i think it would bug the shit out of you to find this out so i I have a 2015
0: can i intro the podcast first or are we just going off the off the cuff like
3: ladies and gentlemen welcome to (laughs) the week week
0: well we start the podcast the same way every week you know it's like
2: oh we don't go ahead no we don't well Uh, we
0: don't we don't have dogma
3: We, we don't have dogma
2: in this in this uh yeah we i guess i'm just on my dogmatic shit there
1: will be riots in the street if austin doesn't intro this podcast
2: (laughs) people are crashing their cars right now
0: welcome to this episode of the week john what's up no go ahead it's
3: done uh i think it would bug you to find out that i have a 20 wait let me know when you're surprised by any of this what am i about to tell you because i have a 2015 macbook pro okay and i also have an iphone 8
2: no that's fine You don't do the majority of your work from your computer. So I'm okay with that. Austin is literally building franchise level systems. And he's complaining about eight gigabytes of space. That's what I'm pointing at.
0: Damn,
3: That sounds
2: like a lot of space, eight gigabytes. I think my phone
3: has like 24. Dude, no.
0: Dude, I feel rich right now. I got 16 gigs of free storage, man. I think my laptop
3: has 124 gigs.
0: No, no, no. I'm yeah, pretty sure I should, it does. I should just
3: upgrade my start. Look up a 2015 MacBook. I'm pretty sure it has 124 gig. Yo, have
0: you guys heard about like the idea of if a battery has a thousand cycles that you need to get it replaced? Is that true? I mean, it sounds like if I owned
3: a battery company, I'd tell you that. Yeah, it sounds like a crazy <laughs> upsell. <laughs> I don't know. My iPhone, everyone complains about read. iPhone batteries. Mine still lasts like four hours.
2: No, <laughs> You guys have. No- <laughs> I, I have an iPhone seven, so I like you know I, I don't. mind. Oh, no way. Still has, I love that. still
0: has the same phone. Yeah, but Ammer yeah. has like three phones though. Um, this is
2: this is from 20, 2018? Yeah, yeah. No, twenty seventeen actually.
0: Ammer still has the same phone with the same shitty case. That, <laughs> yeah, look, it's like when I met him, on the side. When I met him, it's the same goddamn phone. Yeah, fair
2: play. Yeah, this this little thing. Looks like an iPod. I have giant hands, but yeah, also.
0: Well, I've seen your hands, they're not, they're not giant. Amen. Amber, John doesn't want to let you gain any any advancement of your ego. You know, he's holding me in check.
4: (laughs) What does that have to do with anything?
3: Yeah, your
0: hands aren't big, bro. Come on.
3: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if someone asked me, does emmer have big hands? I'd be like, I don't know. They seem like they're like normal or small like i wouldn't i wouldn't say they were like giant hands by any
0: stretch so yeah. boys i was in uh i was in tennessee this week in nashville tennessee and uh god damn it do i love america did you drive through you toronto
2: america is just the greatest place like in the world.
0: when i say no i flew Amber, don't don't hit every time, Dude, remotely, every <laughs> time I every time i'm remotely close to toronto <laughs> Amber's like yo bro what the fuck you didn't you didn't come see me you didn't cook me dinner you didn't rub my feet like, bro, I'm not sure. People were
2: coming up to me, bro. Joe came up to me. He's like, "Yo, did you see?" He was like, okay. Like, yo, did you see Austin's Instagram story? He was like complaining about 401 Toronto. Oh, I traffic. was. I was in. I was
0: in. I was in Toronto the weekend before that to do. Uh, to to <laughs> fucking guy to do to to meet with our Saint Catharines franchise. I was there for 24
2: hours. Okay. That's what I'm pointing at. It's wild. Yo, one john, time i, I went to toronto and did it. for 24 hours <laughs>
3: I didn't okay learn. i'm not gonna lie trish and i were in toronto for the last five days so
0: <laughs> that's so good john are, yeah, you, are, sure. you capping right now, are you are you capping nah, right now are you no no just kidding all right, all
2: right. <laughs> there's no way there's no way you, you would do that um, but yeah, yeah, I'm but like saying, I am, you know? or I have to go to this work. neighborhood watch, this Frank have... watch. Like, yo, Austin was here and he didn't message you. The yo, people I were have to go to, to
0: Toronto you. four to five times a year for work, and I'm down and back because want to know why? I hate Toronto. Toronto is the worst city in Canada. This is new information. Easily, worst kind of traffic everywhere you go, all hours of the day. Like it's just can't, can't miss it. You're always hitting traffic. It is, it is such a highly densely populated city and you could be, when you walk down the street, you'll walk past a thousand people and no one will look you in the eye. That's crazy. I'm from i I'm from a town where you walk past somebody, you you give them a nod, you know, you acknowledge hey, I mean, their presence. There's a logistics issue.
1: Amen, brother.
0: <laughs> yeah. Amen, brother. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating, but like, I, I, I'm not a fan of Toronto, like for, for the sake of like transportation. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's just my, my take, but I, I don't mean that personally, Amber, you are not Toronto. You, you exist outside of Toronto as an individual. So, um, but yeah, okay. So I was in Tennessee and, um, when I said, God damn, I love America. Um,
2: why'd you go to Tennessee?
0: Uh, well, we had a uh, target to hit last year in revenue between Mark and I, that if he could produce, uh. Uh, Our original goal was a million, then we changed it to 1.25, then to 1.5, and we produced like 1.47 or something. And uh, the original trip, the original goal was, okay, we're going to go on a little trip because uh, at Rydell, you can bring your, uh, like your partner or your spouse on the end of your, like, you know, Caribbean trip, whatever you want to call it. So uh, I brought Miranda and all the other franchisees that made the top performer trip brought their wives or girlfriends as well. That was kind of the, the theme. So, um, you know, left Marco, uh, behind and, uh, we had talked about planning a trip at the beginning of the year. And I was like, if we were going on a trip, where would you want to go? And he's like, I would love to go to Nashville. Dude. So we just planned this like four and a half day, four and a half day trip down and back. It was really fun. Um, got to do a lot of stuff. Um, and, uh, man, everyone there, really high sense of patriotism and also very like overwhelmingly kind yeah and um and you can tell that like culturally they're all very grounded in similar beliefs and they they know like they're proud of being american and they can agree what being american means you know i feel like with canada there's maybe a sense of patriotism with being canadian there there certainly is but i don't think that many people can actually agree about what being canadian
2: means like well you're not allowed to say the word freedom tell you that much
0: yeah exactly so i mean it's kind of it is it's it's kind of interesting but also like I, i it's it's so weird it's like canada and the u.s are like the same culture but just like 10 degrees apart like they're so similar yet they're so different um and I've been to like a couple states now, while like mostly East Coast states. This was the first like Midwest state, you know, like very different part of the US. And um yeah, very clear difference. Also the accent. Awesome.
2: Don't read too much into this question, but what was the blonde to brunette ratio in Nashville?
0: I'm gonna say like Sixty-five, thirty-five, blonde. I
2: would say, and so two to one.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was fun. We did a way, bunch of yeah. different things. We went to the uh, Grand Ole Opry, which is like a really famous music hall, and uh, saw a few people perform. Um, the the Opry is kind of a cool venue because they invite like six to seven musicians that are all really well known, and they only play like three songs each and then they kick them off like they come in they play Frish their three best songs by and then they go and then they come back and then there's a new artist and anyway <clears throat> pretty cool um very intimate experience too because i think there's only like 7000 seats uh for like a very you know very well known musicians and then um went to a Nashville Predators game they played the Boston Bruins Bruins absolutely spanked them at home 5 nothing that was fun um Went to a a whiskey barber. Like it's very common there that like all barbers just serve whiskey. Like you go in yeah, there and like it. oh wow, like you go in there, you get a whiskey on on the rocks, and you just like kind of sip this whiskey as you're getting a haircut. Like it's kind of kind of badass, pretty cool. Um, Damn, why does that exist in Toronto? I know, dude, it's such a missed opportunity. There's a few yeah, in, yeah, Mont- it in Montreal. Yeah, yeah I, I got, was gonna say there's I a few going Montreal. in Montreal. Yeah, there's one. Huh. Uh, what was it called? Blue Dog. Is that was called one called
1: yeah there's there's that that one there's also one in verdun that's pretty
0: dope anyway um and then we did a pub crawl on saturday night and then sunday just kind of took it easy and we flew back early this morning but yo shout out to delta airlines i will say this if you're gonna fly in the states i had an amazing uh experience with delta because this is the only time in my life that my flight patterns changed twice once on the way there once on the way back but they both resulted in us getting there earlier so We showed up in the morning to Montreal, flew to Montreal into New York. We landed in New York. Our connecting flight wasn't for four hours, but we saw there was an earlier flight to Nashville leaving in an hour. So we went up to the Delta desk and we're like, hey, can we just hop on this flight? And they're like, uh, yeah, there's two seats available. Go ahead. So like we just moved up our flight three hours. And then on the way home this morning, our flights got delayed. uh, And so we showed up at the airport at the same time still. And, and just asked to have our flight patterns connect through a different city and got home to Montreal earlier. Um, and Delta was just like super accommodating, super willing. They weren't like, Oh yeah, you know, no, we can't do that. Sorry. Like they, as soon as, you know, I ask a question, they're like, yeah, let me see if I can do that for you. Looks like we can, you know, whereas like every other airline I've, I've asked those questions to, they, they literally seem like you're asking them to like sacrifice their, their kidney in order for you to you know, get some sort of benefit that would help you. So anyway, just wanted to say Delta Airlines was the best kind. So
2: so you went for five days? Five days. Um
0: also uh did you see the nightlife? Yeah, yeah. We well, so I had my uh I planned this trip like four or five months ago and I didn't think that it it accidentally lined up with this uh with the CrossFit open so i don't know if you guys know how crossfit open works like every year there's the competition so there's like is that the where fun. they
2: open their mind and quit and just go <laughs> oh, to lift like normal people
0: <laughs> oh uh, bro i knew i knew i wanted to bring it up and i was ready for your bullshit but uh that one somehow made it through the filter um so uh every year it's pretty much like a community source sport so um every year they open up the competition grounds to everyone on the planet. So you don't have to be, there's no such thing as like a, like a professional CrossFit athlete that like plays in a league or, or like works out in a league. It's just every year in February, there's the first round, which is three workouts that get released. And if you sign up, then you have to do those workouts and get a, get an official judge to to essentially verify that you've done those workouts. So, for example, the first workout that was released for the year was last Thursday, and you have until Monday of the following week to, to submit it. Um. So, yeah, that was the first workout. So in 14 minutes, you do as many reps as possible. And so I had to go do this at a verified CrossFit gym in Nashville because I was there. I, you I can had do to a muscle it. up? No, I, this is the thing. So I can't oh. like the muscle ups are on rings too. So like, that's like a pretty, pretty advanced gymnastics movement to do. So essentially instead of going all the way, cause normally you would do 60, 50, 40, 30, 20. And if you still have time left in the 14 minutes, you'd restart at 60. And then, I so yes, keep...
3: but the way it's designed though, it seems like it's going to weed out a lot of people just for sure. So like I yeah. could
0: only finish the 30 cleans. Mm-hmm. So I finished the 30 cleans as fast as I could. And then that's my score with, with the, with the split time. I
1: did the workout and I could not finish the 30 cleans.
0: Yeah. I barely finished it. I had like, I had like a few seconds to spare the 50 toes to bar kill you. Anyway, the, the whole, the, the the first workout of the year was, was on from Thursday to um, Thursday to Tonight is the last time you can submit. And then they re-release a new workout this Thursday for the following Monday. So there's three rounds of that three weeks in a row. Then it goes to quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. And then that's the CrossFit Open is the finals in in uh, early August. So that's the way CrossFit exists as a sport every year is uh, everybody has to earn their spot every year. There's no guarantee. Like somebody could just like pop up out of nowhere, submit a score, that score is validated and they get into the next round and could easily kick out somebody who's been competing for, you know, five years or something. So that was on Friday. So leading up to Friday, I didn't really do any like extracurriculars, let's call it right. Any, any nightlife. We were like in bed every night by 11 PM. Um, didn't really, uh, consume, like I was consuming really healthy food, all the stuff that I usually do. And I performed quite well. And then on Friday and Saturday night, we went out and had fun. So, um, yeah, man. Tennessee folk know how to, like, they make moonshine down there. Moonshine's pretty potent shit. So I try. I feel that like of, you look
2: pretty American. How many times were you hit on?
0: I look American. Yeah, I, I think would disagree could, completely. I th- yeah, I think it would yeah. I don't. I don't know if I would. I would say John looks more American than I do,
1: stereotypically.
3: I look like the most just basic white American male you can get.
1: No, like a, look like a good idiot. old boy from New England, man. You look like, you're like a New England lad. I <laughs> <Aye>, might
0: <mate.
1: laughs> need some painting done, mate. <laughs> no, no, New England, not not England, New not England, old England. Like, like oh god, I got, got it, got it, like from... got it. Yeah,
0: I said he looks like he's from England. I can see the English though, like the you know, like English, English. Um, how much times How many times did I get hit on down there? Like out at night, I would say like maybe uh, I could count them on one hand for sure nothing that's huge that yeah that's what i'm going for i I text every time it happens i i shoot miranda text and i just you know got you know got a reminder
2: that thinking of you honey
0: (laughs) yeah yeah thinking of you honey yeah that's funny i have to confess my sins you know every time every time that happens so
2: nice man all in all would you recommend it to me and john
0: yo um not only would I recommend it, I think we're all gonna have to go for my bachelor party. So, yeah, Nashville. I would, I would love to go to Nashville. Not only would I recommend it, Emmer, I think you, I mean, it's going to be a mandated uh, <laughs> attendance.
3: So, all right, all right, that's actually where the the one bank that I invested in their their that's where their their only location is is Nashville.
0: Let's yeah. go. Let's go get a photo of you at that bank. Yeah, kind of sh- cool actually to do that. Walk in, shake hands with the manager. You know
2: talk to yeah. the guy that you called on the phone
0: yeah
3: that's a different bank oh. oh true
2: oh that's in san fresno or something fresno yeah fresno yeah
0: what uh did you call this bank is it a small one i didn't call this bank no but it's the same like you could type, know. it's the same size yeah, of bank that is the fresno one
3: yeah they're almost yeah they're very identical that way
0: could you remind me again what is it about the smaller uh smaller no? no, no
2: don't, don't no more banks you know more don't banks. <laughs> <laughs> It's just more
3: efficient. that's all it's just more yeah. efficient. Well, mm-hmm. like, I think about this um uh, like back to like, a, like all tied into a, a, a trades business um like imagine you have a physical location, okay for running a million dollar painting business, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you have a two million dollar painting business and it still has one location, all of the overhead cost of that of it that bill diluted will be diluted across 2 million
1: mm-hmm. right yeah
3: so basically it's the same with banks right except right. we're talking about 150 million dollars what way more than that actually really yeah i think well in banking the number to look at would be how many deposits they have per branch so in this case these banks both have a, no these banks have approximately Hundred million dollars in deposits. I think uh, the Fresno bank wow. actually just got over a billion dollars in deposits, and the one in in uh, Nashville has, I think, eight hundred and one million. Like as of like a certain date or whatever, you know, it kind of yeah. fluctuate. But but um, so like Savage. obviously that's way more efficient, less basically just less overhead uh, in 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 relation to every um, deposit they have. So the same with trades businesses. Obviously, you want to be more efficient, right? Like um, like in roofing, for example you would have a probably a fixed cost associated with like how many trucks you have. Right. right. So the more revenue you can do per truck, the more efficient your business. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah. Be. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I uh, like, you know, trades businesses are interesting that way. Like, you know, if you look at like what makes a great trades business, as far as like margins go, Amber, like, you know, obviously labor cost is a, is a, something that has to be in check, but I, like, you know, like there's, there's like, if you're a really efficient operator and you hire really well and have good retention. Dude,
2: I'll tell you right now, Patrick and I analyze like, uh, for some of our customers that do anywhere between eight hundred thousand and above, we do like yeah. a one-on-one financial diagnostic meeting. Yeah, a hundred percent of the time, they just don't know how to manage their overhead, do proper proper capital allocation, yeah. and uh, they just yeah, it's those two things. And what does that? What does the second one look like? They just keep buying vehicles. It, I was going to say, and I was like excavators, and a it's lot of, dude, on, yeah horrible, man. Horrible. Okay, We're like I'm sitting down and we're like, you know, we're, you got to sell this. What are you doing here? Dude, I'm so glad you brought this up. So
3: yeah. glad you brought this up because that was actually one of the things I want to talk about today, which was that like, uh because we kind of touched upon this maybe, I don't know if it was last podcast, but the podcast before, but we talked about capital allocation. It's interesting. So like, again, like I, I, I do look at a lot of publicly traded businesses. And one of the things that I always look at is, okay. So when you see revenue growth in a business, one of the things that I look at is how many, how much uh, new assets do they need in order to get that growth, right? And so, for like for example, if you're uh, if you're a hotel, okay, the best kind of growth is, you know, just like a retail would be like same store sales, right? So, like, if, let's say you, uh, let uh, let's talk about, well, let's just say trades, right? um well no let's go back to the let's go back to the hotel so in the hotel for example uh if you want to obviously if you open up a new hotel you're going to have you, you're going to increase your revenue but no shit you're going to increase your revenue but it's how much did it cost you to buy this new hotel or build it or whatever and how much revenue did you get for it so it's not necessarily always a great investment even though you can tell your investors or you know your shareholders we we grew a revenue right what would actually be better is hey guys' restaurant's fucking garbage. How about you guys make that a super, like, you know, you could spend like, you know, however much money improving uh non, uh like the revenue not associated with booking the rooms, right? Like now it's like, okay, if, if you don't have all your rooms booked, okay, well then maybe we need to increase your advertising so you can, you know, decrease your vacancy rate, right? Okay, but once your vacancy rate's what it is, how do you then maximize the amount of uh, dollars per stay? Well, maybe you add amenities, right? So like the Hilton, you know, I just recently stayed in the Hilton. Why do we stay at the Hilton? They always have a 24-hour gym and it's pretty stable. Like they always have the same equipment. It's, it's good. Hot tub, heated pool, uh, excellent restaurant, right? Like these are all things that they have as amenities that you can up your rate. You know, and obviously Amber, you know, James is in the James has talked about this too, right? About, you know, how much is it? You know, maybe it costs you five grand to put a sauna onto your uh, Airbnb property, but maybe you can increase the rent by an extra, like, I don't know, like $25 per month. Sorry, $25 per night, which over the course of the entire month is 750, you know, take off, I don't know, 20% vacancy rate. So $600, you're, you're, you're going to get more than a 10% return, just cash on cash on a monthly basis. Plus the lifetime value of that is, you know, I don't know how long does it, you know, so if so it's like those opportunities are so fantastic because you're not having to increase your asset base dramatically in order to grow the revenue. So your fixed costs are being spread out even further. Right. Whereas, and I'll just make this last point, Amber, because I know you want to jump in. Whereas most contractors, they'll, like, they're like they like, rather than finding ways to charge more for their current services or decrease the cost for their current services, they're always like, how do I add more services? Oh, well, we're already there. Why don't we do gutter cleaning? Or, oh, well, we need more revenues. So add another truck. It's like, no, guys, you have so many other issues that you need to solve before you do that.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you just nailed it. I just wanted to share, like Patrick and I had a meeting about this last month. And we were basically deciding for, like, the company, do we add another product or do we just go all in on the current product we have and just mm-hmm. try to extract LTV better? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we ended up increasing the price of the program and adding uh, more features that will allow us to actually just make a lot more money. Um, well, we looked at several things to decrease overhead as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's literally like a lot of the time if we have somebody joining our program and they run a million dollar business plus, we can get them on like a three to five X ROI on their investment in like two months by just doing this stuff. Yeah, it's just incredible. just
3: getting cost controls in order,
2: right? It's incredible. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah dude, so I second that. I think that's uh, mm-hmm. very well said. Actually, I'm gonna write that down the way you said it. Uh, but yeah, yeah. John, how's your week?
3: My week was good, man. I, um, so I was, uh, I was in Vancouver for most of the week.
0: Um, what was the
3: anniversary five years?
0: Oh, sick. Okay. I was going to ask what it was for. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Five year anniversary with uh okay. So that was kind of cool. Um, you know, the, tr- the trip itself, like, there's not too much to talk about other than just, you know, all the good stuff it's fun. We went to a Canucks game, uh, which NHL, man, they just play so fucking fast. Like,
2: like Crazy. we go to a lot
3: of WHL games cause we have yeah. the Carolina Rockets and they're like a pretty, you yeah, know, like yeah, a, yeah, like they, they play pretty good hockey and well, actually it was kind of cool. One of the guys on the Canucks, I actually used to watch a lot when I was a kid, Tyler Myers. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was one of my favorite players growing up, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and he was really good on the Rockets when I was just
0: absolutely up. massive human being. Yeah.
3: Still lean as hell though. Like I he's know. still so skinny. Yeah like, Oh, although I don't know how skinny he actually is. Like if you like his weight, like anyway, point being connects game is fantastic. Went to like a Tapanaki place where they cook food in front of you, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, actually the, you know, and you you almost would never predict this is the the part that I, I thought was the most fun. We went to Metro town, which is a mall in uh it's one of the largest maybe like top 10 malls in Canada, like as far as size goes, it's like 1.2 million square feet or something like that. Um, maybe 1.38, but either way, uh, been there before, but like, now that like, I've focused a lot more of my energy on like understanding the retail business and like, I've, you know, like, cause I hadn't been to like a mall, like a mall mall in quite a long time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so in those years, I've actually done a lot of like, like, I've just looked at a lot of publicly traded businesses yeah. as far as like, like, so I'm walking through the mall. I'm like, oh, it's interesting to see like, oh, like, cause like, I know like this business owns those three stores and those are all having sales and I know their inventory is fucked and they're trying to liquidate like crazy, like they, cause, they're, cause they need cash for next quarter. And I can see that in the way that they're marketing their business. That's Whereas crazy. I look at another store and I'm like, oh, they don't have any promotions over there, right? And it can really, it really makes you think like why one business is better than another. Like, so here we are in Aritzia, where if I ask for a discount, they'd say, you can go fuck yourself to the, you know, from now, you know, till the end of time, right? Whereas you go into like the gap, <laughs> And the Gap is basically like, hey, like, we give free blowjobs in the back if you buy this fucking shirt. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you know, And but it's That's interesting though, because, like, you know, yeah. Banana Republic as well is owned by Gap. And they're just like fucking just flying shit out. Like, they're just trying to liquidate shit. They just need cash. They're just they're just trying to, ra- you know. Wow. Um, so I, I thought it was interesting. And then, like, it just kind of like gets. But it got me thinking too. you know, a back on to because, you know, one of the common one of the things i've been thinking a lot about actually over the last like let's say few years but especially over the last you know two years is this whole in-person versus online shopping yeah you know, and i think a lot of people have kind of thought about this and you know we're in this mall it's busy as you know it i mean trisha said it was actually like a bit slower than what she's experienced when she was a kid but it was you know if by all intents and purposes every store was packed and the, the food court you know had no empty seats kind of thing right and you know i thought to myself it's a different experience you know, cause on, like when's the last time you sat down and went online shopping for four and a half hours? Like, like when's the last yeah, time that you yeah, yeah. And, 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 and no, I'm serious. When's the last time that you and, and uh, Miranda went shopping? Like as a part of, no, but, but as a part of like your entertainment or your day was like, okay, let's go online shopping together. Yeah. No, never. No, never. Right. Yeah. But Trish and I, we made a day out of it. Like we took a day, you know, we woke up in the morning, had some breakfast and did our thing, took the train, you know, to the mall. You know, went around the whole first floor, went to the second floor, you know, grabbed a smoothie, a booster juice, you know, sat there, chit chatted for a little bit, did the rest of her shopping, you know.
2: Why do you find that around fun? Other than being um, with Trisha, why actually choose that as a date location? I, that's I find that interesting. Well,
3: it's not so much of a date location. I mean, first of all, one, once you get a girlfriend, you'll very much understand. <laughs> yeah, bro. I was just about to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
4: like, I, I don't like, know what, what, it, what it is. is? I was like, I I appreciate
0: the logic so much because I was like, for a second, I was like, yeah, why the fuck would? And I was like, no, yeah, that's just the way. Amber, there's just something about it.
3: But actually, you know what? Though shopping um, in the right stores is a fantastic experience as a male. It really is. Like, think about this, Amber. Like, you know, obviously, I do. You like going to malls? I wouldn't want to go often, but yeah, once in a while. I actually. Oh, oh, so you guys like?
2: Oh, okay, okay. I find that not interesting. Okay.
3: Well, you say that and I say that as well, but
2: No, but you say you would go. I say I would never would want to go to a mall ever.
3: Well, I, uh, I there's there's a time the, in my life where I would have said that as well. I mean, I found it particularly interesting, like just just because like a lot of them are public traded businesses. So it is fascinating for me to see which businesses is doing well. Like, so, just, I mean, just to clarify the
2: the reason I was asking that question is just to understand if like you are doing things that you don't like just because it's Trisha. I was just trying to no, no, no. I'm still I, trying to learn. No, no.
3: No, let me ex- no, let me explain the experience. So like one, like it is spending time with Tricia. So there is that aspect. Like that is a legitimate thing. Like, I mean, like we had the choice of sitting at home or doing other activities, but more, more, but people do as a form of entertainment, go to the mall. Like this is an experience, the same way that someone might go to like the movie theaters and spend a hundred dollars on a date. And some people might, you know, um, I don't know, uh, go and get like a, you know, a hundred dollars dinner. People do go to the mall. It's a form of entertainment. Online shopping is not that. So it is something to consider that, like, it is a different experience, right? Like, like you get out of the house, like, you can go make a day out of it, right? The same way that, like, because it got got me thinking, like, man, I wonder, like, obviously there's a convenience aspect to online shopping, right? Like, so if you're buying, like, consumer staples or you're buying, like, there's a lot of things when you buy online, it would be like, why the hell would you buy that in person? It's just way easier. Right. But what what I'm talking about is different. It's an experience, right? Like when you go, like when you try things on in person, you feel the textures, like it it is, it is, it is a, like, it's a very, uh, it's a very intimate experience. Right. Um, And it's different. And it got me thinking, I'm like, "Hmm, I wonder, because there is this narrative that like, okay, like all online shopping is competing against on in-person shopping. And I wonder, is that really true? I don't think so. The same way that like I, I started thinking about, like I don't know if Netflix is actually competing against the local cineplex like I don't know if that's actually a trade off I don't know if people like I don't know if people are actually thinking to themselves oh I'm not going to go to the movies this year I'm only going to watch Netflix or oh I don't I'm not going to get Netflix I'm I'm just going to go to the movie theater that's not how people think. Right. Like people, if they want to go to the movie experience, they're going to go to the movie theater. Right. If they want to, if they want to like binge TV shows or, you know, watch, you know, like watch things after the fact or have a night in, then they'll watch Netflix. But as a yeah. date night or as a form of entertainment, it I is agree. a different experience. Like, I agree. Like, how many people, yeah. So, but, but, but my point being though is that it's like there's a lot of things that look like they're directly competing against one or one another when really, yeah, when, when reality, they're maybe not. And so I thought that was interesting. Like I just, when I was, when I went to the the mall, I was like, oh, like I can see why people do this. This is a thing, right? You know, shopping with Trisha was quite fun in the sense that, you know, like um, you, you can go in the change rooms with them. So it's basically like you get like a free strip tease. It's kind of like, it's kind of fun actually, right? Like you're in there and you're like, you know, feeling her. Yeah, you know, that's, a, that's an, that's an expert ask. move
0: right there. Yeah,
3: Dude. Yeah. I go into every change room. With that's her. what it's you call awesome. good angling. It's, like, it's a, dude, it's a free fucking, it's a free, like, I don't know, it's just a free like ass grab. It's awesome, right? And, and they're having fun because like they're shopping and they're just like super stoked and it's kind of I don't know like I don't shopping's not like it's not a terrible experience right um yeah, but I just thought it was that was actually that was actually Also people watching
0: people watching I would say is one thing that, that I enjoy yeah too. people watching
3: is entertaining There's actually but, so that's my point though is that there's all these things that are actually virtually impossible to do online shopping so again it's one of those ones where is that going away probably not it's just gonna it's so it's like I wouldn't want to be, um, I wouldn't want to be selling things that are, there's no value in person, right? Like commodities in person, you know, like, like just consumer staples. It's like, okay, like I don't need to do that in person. Right. But there is a lot of things. Now, the other thing that I thought was really interesting was, uh, my buying decision. So I've been trying to find like a high quality hoodie for quite a while. Okay. Um, and I did buy one through Cam, like the above. Those hoodies yeah, are yeah. awesome, like Cam's. Oh, they're, yeah, they are I, great. Yeah. But, but I've yeah. been trying to find like a thick, like a really thick hoodie, you know, because Lululemon is usually my go-to as far as like if I wanted to, you know, like, like a new piece of clothing. But they don't have like a thick, like sweat, hoodie, Lu- like you know, luxury
0: like, hoodie, pretty much though. Luxury. Not even like a
3: yeah, you could say luxury, but I'm but, I mean, but I'm but I'm not thinking luxury. I'm just thinking like like thick, like a like what a boxer would wear, like the sweat in, you know, like it mm. out in, like it's just a thick. Hmm. sweater you know because a lot of hoodies when you grab them they're actually quite thin like they're pretty, yeah, quite feeble yeah. they're just like it's it's really just like a, like a piece of fabric over you it's not yeah. like a different right and it's, i find it fascinating that my buying decision led me to a brand that i had never heard of prior to being at the mall
0: mm. interesting yeah is that what you're wearing right now right. ovo is that what this is october's very own yeah
3: yeah so there you go but but what's interesting though is that i did, i never had heard of this prior to like I, I saw an owl and I was like, owl looks cool. And I walk into the thing, right? And it's like, oh, it's kind of a cool store, right?
0: Damn, you know, that's Drake, eh? Drake's brand.
3: I did find out that when I was in the store. Okay. I, I initially thought, I didn't, I thought, cause I have a wallet. That I bought like six years ago. Oh yeah, man, no, no. I wallet. remember
0: you showed us the wallet, and I'm like, that's OVO. And you're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. So I
3: didn't know. So when I was walking to I'm like, oh dude, I think that's the same brand as my wallet. So I, yeah, yeah. that's naturally why I was in there, right? But I had never heard of it prior to that, right? But I thought it was fascinating though, right? Um yeah, but but so I had felt like you know, I'd felt maybe like I don't know, like maybe like 12 hoodies or something like that. Like, you know, I, I was able to feel right. 12 different hoodies. I'm like, nah, this isn't quite right. No, that's not quite right. That's not quite right. Okay, this one's perfect, actually, you know? Yeah. So again, I just I don't want to go how much was the hoodie it, I believe it was like $160 or something like that and it's actually like good quality well so I this was the thing so my I, I, I knew that we were actually going to get to this point where you're going to ask me about this so it's fascinating because at first glance be like $160 for a hoodie sounds absurd right but I felt hoodies like all like you know like the entire time I was in the mall every time we, there was a store that sold hoodies I walked in and kind of felt them like man, that's not quite right not not quite right so finally, I grabbed a hoodie and it was like it was thick and it was premium quality. And I was like, this is nice. And so I bought it. Makes sense. You know? Yeah. Hmm. But it so so it got me thinking though, I'm like, you know, why is the gap struggling so much? You know? And they kind of sell a commodity item. Right. They sell, they like, they're, they're targeted at the low end, just kind of like no style, but mostly just commodity clothing. Like, as in like, you could buy Hanes, you could buy the Gap, you could buy Old Navy, like Old Navy's owned by the Gap, but you, you know, like Hanes or Fruit of the Loom, like these are all kind of like just like, at that point it's like, who's the low cost provider. It's like, who has the lowest cost? It's not like, you're not, I don't know if you're buying like Old Navy over Hanes, over Fruit of the Loom. Like they're all kind of mostly roughly the same. Right. Um, But I think it's why, because it's like, you know, the gap stuck with all these massive leases that they have to you know honor when in reality they don't need those anymore like people would just as gladly buy old maybe online and then in person there's sizing doesn't even really matter that much when you're buying for your kids it's like okay he's nine he's 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 a medium now you know mm. he doesn't have to fit perfectly right? right adults obviously want things that fit more snug than a kid kids don't even make the buying decisions for themselves really right
0: yeah, we well, got to think too, like we were probably the last generation to grow up and like actually like go to the mall when we were kids, you know? Well,
3: not no, but see, but, but interesting enough that there's this idea that it's dying. It's really not, right? Um, like you might like, the, the, like so um, I, 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 I can't remember if this is all categories, but I think uh, like online shopping is still only like one third. Really? yeah it's something it might even be less than that go take this up we'll look this up i'm on um, it yeah look this up I'm assuming the natural stat here i, I might have read something about an individual category so i might be mixing something up here but So I'm pretty
1: it, sure apparently it's... at the moment 14.1 percent of all retail purchases are yeah. done online while there this number go. is projected yeah. to rise in, to 22 percent this year so it's a seven percent rise this year well, yeah. Except for that.
3: What, what, what year is that though? Because that, that projection actually did not end up panning out. I do remember this
1: actually. Well, oh, good. No, that's it. In 2023, it's projected to rise to 22, 22 to, to 22%. So What's so fascinating. Know, is it, it actually declined? Now. Now. It actually, no, it it actually 2021, declined. Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah. In 2020 the number of online shoppers was 27.6% of the world's population, but that's different than total. That's the different stat. Hold on. It's a different stat than, uh, like. So online obviously. sales
3: declined actually, uh, from, from mm. uh, like COVID to now, um, yeah
1: um yeah so then i'm just trying to find the does this excite you because you
2: because you're like a sleep country shareholder
3: well not necessarily it doesn't it's not it's not so much that it excites me because that it excites me in the sense that it's contrarian it excites me in the sense that it's not what you'd expect like here's another one that i thought was interesting right I did the math. I spent more on movie theaters last year by a long shot
0: than I spent on Netflix. Hmm. Interesting. That is weird because I.
3: No, it's not weird at all. It's not weird at all. Think about this, uh, Austin. And and e- this is the fascinating. No, game. no, Think no. About no. This I, it's, so
0: sorry, it's not weird. I mean, it's just like. No, 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 no. But, it, but I didn't do that. <laughs>
3: no, guess. no, no. But
0: I, no, but you you might have though.
3: You might oh, have. And okay. You're, you're unaware of it. Like how many times did you go to the movies? Once, maybe. And who, who do you go with? Miranda. Okay. And how much did you guys spend?
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, no, no. So that's my point. Like, Cause you might've actually spent like, 80 bucks. Yeah. I'd say like 55, maybe 60. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough.
3: Okay. So, so, but this year maybe you go twice and then yeah. it's, it's similar to Netflix. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. me, I went to the movies maybe, I don't know, four or five times. Right. Yeah. Um. But what's fascinating though, is that like, there's a local business that's printing fucking cash okay that it has you know you know supposedly you know competes with netflix but there's a local business that prints cash that uh you know so it basically has a local monopoly
2: mm-hmm.
3: fantastic margin. meanwhile netflix is losing money or or, ver- or making very little as, far yeah. as no, i don't think
2: it's ever made money
3: actually uh, it did actually no i believe i believe it did i believe it i believe it, it i believe it actually makes money right now um actually quite quite a bit but just but low margins like if i just really
1: really Mm -hmm. quickly
3: i'll pull this up i believe it actually does make quite a bit of money
1: um so net income of net income of over five billion yeah they've been making quite
3: a bit of money yeah yeah but but the the issue with their their accounting is that their cash from operations has been quite negative for a lot of years like so in the in the same year that they're you know posting profits of like a billion dollars they like they lost over two point nine billion on a cash basis.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Wait, how is that possible?
3: Um, but just it's just uh, movie accounting can get quite funky. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because there's like massive depreciation charges and things like that, but um, which is a non-cash item. But uh, point being though is that you have this local business that has fan like virtually no competition i mean like when's the last time you guys ever seen a movie theater open up kind of thing right Mm -hmm. right um so i'm trying to get my zoom back open so i can see you guys um that's making tons of money right but the same way that like okay so you have this online business that's losing money like so you have like you have a mattress store online they're 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 losing so much money they have to get bought up by private equity firms so they can stay alive Right. They say they're going to cut out the middleman, and that they, they don't believe in retail. Meanwhile, any every single Casper mattress in Canada is delivered by Sleep Country. Every single Casper mattress ad in Canada must state Sleep Country's name. They have an exclusive. Right. But meanwhile, they're trying to cut out the middleman. Like that was their whole mission statement. Now, every single Sleep Country has a Casper, uh, show, show, in, in every single Sleep Country, there's a Casper showroom. There's a, there's a section of the store dedicated to Casper, okay? Um, this company losing money. This one is not. So I think that it is really fascinating to see, like, differences in businesses. Now, the reason why I bring this all up, and Amber, I'll, so I can tie you back into the relevance. I think a really fascinating thing to do would be, um, this is just like a, you know, this is me just kind of lobbing this out there. Oh, I
2: remember this. Just gonna
3: lob this out there. Man, I really do believe I that this. we can make a fuck ton of money off private equity. So, like what we would do is you take all these businesses that have local monopolies with people that have been running them for the you know their entire lives. Um, and there's tons of them, right? Like you can look at the stats. I mean, you know, make Gabe, I don't know if you can pull up stats on how many people, uh, how many. I don't know if you can find it like Canada wide, but certainly in BC, I know that something around like 75% of, uh, of small businesses plan on retiring in the next 10 years. And like of that number only like one third of them has a succession plan. Like it's something crazy like that. Yeah, I'm just right? going to check it out. Yeah. see so if you can find the stat, that, that's something that resembles that. Um, like look up like something like BC, business small business owners retiring stats or something like that but either way so you have all these businesses that like what are young people going into young people aren't going into the mattress business they're not going to movie theaters they're not going into cement businesses they're not going into boring fucking businesses the young people all want to get into tech they all want to get into all these things that are not profitable like and so when you talk about these business you know, like they're going to areas where there's the most competition the, the businesses that trade at the highest valuations all the you know growth all these it's all vanity Meanwhile, you have these fucking brick and mortar businesses, or just very you know businesses that have very tangible moats around them. That like think about this, like what's happening in the business world is almost this. It's it's very similar. So most of the furniture I have in my condo, I've gotten for low to free, when it comes to cost. How? Because most of it's old wood furniture. That's, that's beautiful stuff. You can refinish it. It has tons of value. It came from a fucking tree. And it's free because no one wants it. It has tons of tangible intrinsic value, but no one wants it. It's selling at like one-tenth of what someone pay for it. Meanwhile, young people, where they all flock to? Ikea. They flock to shit that has no value. It falls apart after the first use. Meanwhile, on Facebook Marketplace, if you want free, if you want free to free, uh, there you go. Isn't that fucking crazy, guys? Like, come on, you can't even make this shit up.
1: Uh, Yeah, Over $2 in business assets could change hands within the next decade as over three quarters of small business owners are planning to exit their business, according to a new report by the CFIB. And the crazy thing is, only 9% have a formal business succession plan in place.
3: Guys. Okay, and here's the thing. Guys, (laughs) these small business owners, they're not in tech businesses. They're not fucking trying to sell online mattresses. They do real shit with the real economy, and they have no succession plan. Like two trillion dollars of assets are you, are in Canada are gonna elite... change hands. Yeah.
0: So when you say um, we can make a ton of money in private equity, what do you mean? Think about this.
3: Okay. I
0: think very tangibly
3: we could we can raise funds and buy companies at two to three times earnings.
0: Mm privately you're saying there's going to be like a fire sale on on profitable businesses pretty much
3: uh yeah if there's no fucking buyers yeah yeah where where's someone gonna get the money young people have no fucking money
1: yeah also, interesting stat here to add to that is that ap- apparently the most important factor for a strong majority, 90% of these owners looking to sell their businesses, is ensuring their employees are protected. It's also important for them to get the highest possible price and selecting the right buyer who will carry forward their way of doing business. 84% yeah, well they go fuck people.
3: themselves if there's no buyers, right? So that's the thing. Fair enough. Right. So but what I'm saying though is that how many people have come to you and say, I want to buy a movie theater? No one. Who's out here trying to buy cement businesses?
0: Yeah.
3: Like how a mattress store? Dude, come on. No one's trying to buy mattress stores right now. All I'm saying Yo, is... Yo, I ran
2: into this concept. I think there's
3: a fantastic opportunity in private equity. Like, like and, and the reason why, guys, and by the way, the, the reason why there's a natural progression here, just so you can understand that I, I'm, I'm just... You can see what... The, I just wanted you guys to see the progression of where I'm at, okay? So... Obviously, you guys know my career up to a certain point, probably like, you know, like obviously mostly student works, not a lot of capital. Okay. I start making some money. So I'm like, okay, well, obviously I need to invest my money because there's not really any more room for me to reinvest back in my painting business. So I start buying public businesses. I businesses, uh, obviously invest with Matt in real estate. Okay. I didn't want to invest in my own real estate because I was like, that's active. Basically, it's a different business. I don't want to do that, but I'll invest with Matt. I have an inclination because I've been reading for many years about Warren Buffett. I'm like, okay, I want to invest in companies naturally. Where does my mind go first? It goes to the biggest companies available because that's what I knew, you know, like Meta, Alibaba, like these are big companies, right? Even HP, big companies, right? I buy those. Okay. I, understand, I don't really understand them as well as I thought I did. I start looking at smaller companies, easier to understand. I could read about them more. There's more information about them. They're more overlooked. They're smaller. As I go down the list, they get smaller and smaller and smaller. Okay naturally we get to the point where okay I'm buying companies that are so obscure and so small that like they're, they're completely overlooked like they're, they're like I'm buying them at basically private valuations like 6 times earnings 5 times earnings 8 times earnings right these are like small companies right the next progression is just simply buying private equity where it's it's definitely going to be active there's no doubt about that but the but these are also businesses that are potentially only going to be selling for like two to five times earnings because that's just what private businesses are going to go for yeah man i mean and you can find you can find businesses with moats. like we don't have to we don't have to stay in the trades business necessarily i mean if there was a trades business that had a moat that was you know great to run then fantastic but the thing is, is that ideally, we don't want to buy businesses where we need fucking just crazy amounts of skill and talent to run them. Ideally, Dude, we, buy, they are- we try and buy a business that has a local monopoly that fucking takes a monkey to run.
2: There are some trades businesses like that that do exist. Some of them are my clients yeah. where they just literally have a monopoly on like electrical contracts. And they just, they're like, they have unlimited work. They're like booked two years out. And it's just like an operational yeah. bottleneck.
3: The, the only thing, though, and I'll say this, what trades businesses, and, and again, I'm not saying that there's not businesses that don't exist, that don't meet this criteria or that don't fit into this column. But here's from my experience, this is why trades businesses are not a great business for the long term. OK. And just based it the way that I see things. One, typically it's labor intensive. Entry. Well, I don't mind the labor intensive. The labor intensive is not not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. What did you say, John? Um, well, um,
2: Low barrier to entry.
3: Yeah, low barrier to entry. Most mm-hmm. trades businesses have low barrier to entry. So then the higher quality trades businesses have some barrier to entry, right? Um, but the barrier to entry doesn't tend to be has its own has its own downside because really the barriers to entry into a lot of trades businesses tend to be like they need to be your employees need to be ticketed, mm. which isn't necessarily a great barrier to entry because really I mean like like it's not like google's not saying oh cuz we have engineers that you know have to go to university it's not it's it's kind of not that great of a mode like it's it's like unticketed trades or even lower barrier entry right but i mean someone can still get an electrical ticket and still start up an electrical business right so it's not like so it's it's not it's a low barrier to entry okay um they tend to also not require a lot of capital like basically there's very few trades businesses that you can't start with like less than like 20 grand like you can just buy yourself a truck and as long as you're a tradesperson you're a tradesperson right like so like the 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 varied entry and the financial commitment is just tends to be really low um also uh you can uh great businesses can be harmed by stupid competition in the trades business like people can misquote jobs like you can actually lose to contractors not because like you know Happen la- happened
0: to me last year all yeah. Like guy, it can happen to
3: you. Like you can lose projects to people because they don't know how to price it. Right. Yeah. And I am, or I know that there's, you know, we, there's, you can implement sales processes that, that mitigate that. And we, you know, I, I think we all agree that with that, but nonetheless, you can have someone that mis, misprices a job, right? Like Apple is not losing to someone because another business is, is is going to lose money on their phones. Like there's no stupid, there's not a lot of stupid competition in phone manufacturing. Like, like if you look at all of the well, doesn't at- doesn't
2: Google make their phone out of loss?
3: Uh, on the hardware, yes, but that's but I I and I don't know if that's actually a hundred percent the case. Um, but they they might do that. I mean, if they do, if that's true, um, because they're trying to get to a Google Play, like that's where they're trying to make the money on the back end. But 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 the point being though is that's not that's not stupid competition though, right? Like that's not stupid. Um. And, and you could almost argue, well, I don't really want to get too much into that because that, that's a whole other conversation. But point being, though, um, there's no strategy in mispricing a fucking painting job.
4: <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. There's
3: no there's no back-end profits. Okay. You fucking produce the job or you don't, right? You either made money on the project. There's no back-end stuff. I mean, very, very little. I mean, maybe you could argue, no, nah, not really. I mean, but, but but maybe in some trades there are. So anyway, low barrier to entry, um, there also tends to be very low lifetime value of a customer. In most in in most trades businesses, not all, but mo- most. Okay, um, yeah. So anyway, those are just some things that I've observed. It's just there's 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 very yeah I, there's very few trades businesses that don't have intense competition. Pure air doesn't have intense competition, but it definitely still has competition. But it's not intense by any stretch.
2: Right.
3: It's less intense.
2: Right. Yeah. Hey, yeah, man. I guess this just big, begs the question. Hold on. Let me, let me just think about this.
3: Like I'm, like, I'm saying, I'm not opposed to a trades business, right? Like, if anything, to be honest, trades businesses are are, are fantastic cash flow businesses, right? Like, I'm not saying mm-hmm. they're bad businesses. Like, they're actually fantastic businesses. They're just, if you want to get like hundred million dollar rich, really hard to do that off fucking painting, or it's really hard to do that off roofing, right? Mm-hmm. Not as hard though. If you're like, there's different segments, like uh, one of the greatest businesses is Sherwin Williams, like being a paint fucking supplier is amazing. Right. But that's a business that has different economics of scale. And so like, that's not what I'd recommend us getting into is like paint manufacturing. Right. But Sherwin Williams is a hundred bagger stock. Like it's, it's one, it's, it's, it would have been one of the greatest investments. Hence why, I mean, uh, Benjamin Moore is owned by Warren Buffett. Right. I mean, he bought that a long time ago. He fucking no shit. Right. Mm -hmm. He realized the economics. He didn't buy, he didn't buy first service, Amher. He bought. Benjamin Moore, like look at where, like if you look at like if you look at where he bought in each industry, that tells you a lot about where a lot of the profits lie and mm-hmm. a lot of the scale lies.
2: Um, you preface this entire kind of uh, share, yeah. by going like this with your hands, like you know this is kind of down the line. I guess mm-hmm. I want to know like well, when when are you thinking about this?
3: Well, I want to plant the seed now because. I don't think we're like, I don't think we're like terribly far off, but I mean, I think that there's definitely a lot of things that all the reason why I want to plant this now is because I would say that there's, there's at least a certain amount of planning that all of us would have to do with our lives to actually make the commitment worthwhile. And then also even just see if it's even something you'd, you'd be interested in, right? Because it, it definitely is a fucking path that we would go down, but, and it's not even something that it has to be a we, but it just I just want to let you guys know like i i see a fantastic opportunity here and i you know i'm already trying to do some of it obviously with tristan like in the sense that like i mean we're, we're doing it with pure air right um but i think there's a fantastic opportunity in raising money and buying businesses that's where i see a lot of value i mean we don't have a lot of capital right now right i mean over time obviously as we we get more capital and we buy more businesses okay then maybe we don't need to raise as much money over time but um here, here, here's the way I view it and it, it, it's, it's pretty common sense or like logical if you think about it you get a lot of people that have a ton of equity in their homes okay um they don't have a lot of investments in normal retirement then you also have a lot of people that need to retire and they need to sell their businesses. So it's like you have a lot of people with a lot of capital that don't know what the fuck to do with it. And you have a lot of people that own a lot of businesses that don't know what the fuck to do with it. I'm like, mm-hmm. really, all we're doing is doing a service to society of linking up the people with capital with the people that have businesses that they can't operate anymore.
2: Yeah, no, no. I, do you remember in 2021, when I kind of brought this up, I told you about acquisitions.com? Yeah, you did. And, and then you were like, wait, is that the Hormozy guy? I'm like, no. That's acquisition. No, I know the guy you're talking
3: about. Yeah, i heard yeah. This about this guy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So there's like, I found somebody else who's like a little bit just I find better. Um, maybe yeah. just a better marketer. The other
3: guy seemed like he was more of a coarse guy.
2: Yeah. No, no, no. It, her name, it's actually a she. Her name's Cody Ch- Sanchez. No, the um, other one
3: that you told me. Acquisition.com. Is Acquisitions.
2: Yeah.
3: It's a different guy, though. He's like, a, I think he may be an Armenian or something like that. Or...
2: Yeah, that guy. Exactly. Yeah.
0: That's Hermosi. Yeah.
2: No, 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 no. There's, there's, a, there's another about, guy. Yeah. There's another guy.
0: Holy
2: shit! Isn't yeah? Oh yeah, Hormozy Iranian. We talked about this in 2021, but yeah, the, the reason I bring this up is because I've also thought Hormozy is doing what we're talking about, kind of. Yeah, his um, is
3: his is a different model, though, I would say.
2: Yeah, but but it's still, I think it's very important that we kind of get clear on what objection what objectives would you like to first achieve before doing this
0: Mm, it's a great question well
3: i'd have to situate my life in such a way that my obligations with the current operating businesses that i have wouldn't like because i mean there's a certain i would say there's a certain obligation to you know if, if we actually raise capital i think there is a certain obligation that you would have to
2: Dude, most of the time you don't even need to raise capital. You can do owner funded. There's actually. Yeah. Leverage buyouts. A I, I get that. I,
3: I understand that. I understand that. I understand that. I would much prefer. I mean, I, yes, I, I you can do vendor tape back. I, I'm aware of that,
2: but I would say that. Uh... You, know, you can do owner financing too.
3: Yeah, you could, you could. There's different ways um, you
2: can do it. So, if your condition is once we know how to raise capital, if that's nulled, then I'd like no, to that, know. That you're it. It. No, that was not it.
3: That was not it. I actually, I, honestly, I don't believe that I, I would have. I mean, I, there might be a total, total reality check for me. But I, I do believe that I have a sales ability. I, I do believe I could raise capital. Like, I think like, cool. sure, yeah, I agree. Like I'm not, yeah, no, that's not, that That was not the part I was worried about. Um, No, no, it's, it's, it's a time commitment. I mean, like the thought of having a private equity firm right now, it does not, it all seem realistic. Like that does not seem prudent, you know, as far as like a time commitment goes. Like it'd be foolish for me. Like I, I would like, that would be chasing me, like way too many rabbits at the same time. That would just not be, yeah, totally not going to happen.
2: Okay, so good. That's the same conclusion I reached, but like when? when would that be worthwhile for you? What conditions need to be met?
3: Well, I would say that I would have to meet the obligations of, of the two businesses that I'm mostly involved with right now, which is Pure Air and, and uh, ProWorks. Like I have an okay. obligation to Tristan and I have an obligation to you know my management, you know, Brady and Jocelyn, right? So I would need to get those businesses to a point where there's someone
2: driving the growth in both of those businesses, yeah. Okay, but then that begs the question, if you've already developed a circle of competence within these two companies yeah why not grow
3: oh i already explained vertically. i already explained no i already explained because the business models i'm in currently aren't that fantastic
2: yeah but you can just open another location
3: yeah i know but 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 it it, it, it it again we've we've already, we just talked about this what, how i don't necessarily want to have to increase the asset base every time i want to grow right? Also, I don't have local monopolies. I would, I would much rather get into businesses, Ammer, that have very wide moats. And currently none of my businesses do. Like Pure has like, there's, there's parts of the business that have moat-like characteristics, but I wouldn't say they're a moat, but they're, but they're fairly, but they're fairly good, like characteristics.
0: Yeah. I would say, Ammer uh, to answer your question for myself, it would be, the business that you like the businesses that we currently run would have to be pretty much a hundred percent sustainable without you. Like you could die and it would continue moving on.
2: Oh, but I, yeah. I, I would disagree. Yeah. Like that seems like a weak goal. Maybe your language, you weren't being as specific when you say sustainable, I guess you'd want something that is not just sustainable, but also growing. Mm-hmm. Notice yeah. how John said he wants to, the businesses both to be in a position where it has like in its own internal growth. I don't want these businesses to just be sustainable because I'm still going to be a shareholder.
3: I, I, yeah. I do believe that what I said and what Austin said, I think we meant the same thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So to scale it, you're you're both saying scaling your businesses to the point where it cannot be scaled further or you're getting diminishing returns on your effort.
0: No, we're saying that it can be scaled without us at the forefront of the scale. Yeah, we're not
3: the ones that are fucking on the bike pedaling.
2: Okay. Pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. But But Austin, I I get confused about about your situation because aren't you just going to? buy roofing businesses or aren't you going to become the ceo of right L? you have so many paths like you're gonna to have to say yeah I that's know, why I that,
0: that, that's, uh, that's why i answered the question that way because i don't think i'd be able to take on another responsibility or my time would be like if if let's say i'm investing in this business with let's say hypothetically both of you right And assuming, just for the sake of an example, we all put in the same amount of money. Well, Um, that's
3: why the right on going down is not a lot of money being put in by us. Right. Or, or, like, we're, we're, take a mind. The the problem we're solving for other people is that they have capital. We don't. We have expertise in business. They don't. So they have money. We have expertise. And then the third party of the transaction is a business owner that has no succession plan. So they're either left. Liquidating their business for tangible book value, which is next to nothing, or they can sell it to someone. Mm-hmm. So we're actually solving a lot of problems here in society. Some people need retirement income, or basically two two ends of the party need retirement income. But one has capital; one they both have capital, really. Um, but one really needs to sell their business. Yeah. So we come in with expertise. Now, the reason Amber, why I want to get out of the trades business per se is that. The trades business requires a pretty fucking exceptional operator for it to be an exceptional business. Like, trades businesses, like, when's the last time you ever met someone who's a total buffoon running a trades business and they're just making hands over fist cash? No, it's not the case. The people that make tons of money in trades are highly competent individuals. Okay. I've met some fucking dumbass people running businesses that I'm like, fucking, you just got in there at the right time, didn't you? You know? Like the, my old boss that owned the Wendy's, total fucking dipshit. I mean, I could have maybe potentially got to know him better, so fair enough, you know. The guy did not strike me as an individual that was highly competent. Let's put it this way. He bought a Wendy's 25 years ago. He's doing extremely well. Has good has good economics. Now I'm not I'm not saying we buy a fucking Wendy's, okay? But there's a lot of there's a lot of businesses out there that I think would would fall into that category.
0: Yeah. Imagine what it would be like for us to buy like a fast food franchise chain. That'd be kind of funny. Like we just own. I just don't buy a
1: subway.
3: I'd be more inclined to buy like a local pub.
0: Yeah, I I, personally, I agree, but I also don't know the economics of either one. That's
1: Uh, a hard no on that hard no on buying the local pub can guarantee you getting into a rest small, a small restaurant like that, unless it's been there for like 20 plus years and is like, no, but this well is known. my point
3: though. No, no, this Don't is my it. point though. I'm not, I'm not looking at, I'm not, I'm not guys, I'm not pitching you on a fucking pub. Okay. I'm just saying the economics <laughs> of a pub that has a local monopoly can actually be fantastic. Okay. Like it's, yes. it's just a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not necessarily, we go, we, we go pub hunting. Okay. But what I'm saying though, is that I feel like I feel like I could. I, I feel like if I given enough, like if I was spending like close to full time effort, going around just trying to find private businesses that are wanting to sell, I think I could actually make a run at it.
2: I agree. I would trust you with that. Yeah. Unsexy
3: businesses. Anyway, that that's my. I just want to plant that seed. I don't know. That's all. If you look at the three skill sets that we have, it's yeah, I think it's pretty fascinating, right? I mean, I think if you look at the three things that all of us like to do, I don't know, it doesn't seem like they overlap much.
0: Trying to find out how much a Wendy's franchise costs. So you're saying saying we
2: start a private equity.
3: Wendy's is a bad idea because they're not overlooked.
0: They're now overlooked.
3: No, they're not overlooked. That's the issue uh-huh. with the issue with any of the big franchise brands is they're not overlooked. So the pricing's terrible.
0: Right, right, right.
3: Yeah, you're gonna have to. Yeah, I, I don't want to go down a franchise route. No, I was just curious franchises. You, franchises trade at a premium. Depends on the location, obviously, because it's 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 it, Austin. Think about less of how much does a Wendy sell for, but Wendy's a Wendy's location probably trades at seven times earnings.
0: Right.
3: Like you're probably not going to be able to convince a, an owner of a Wendy's to sell at less than seven times earnings. So if his Wendy's made one hundred thousand dollars, he's not going to sell it to you for,
0: you know, four hundred thousand, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Damn, they've been franchising since nineteen seventy two.
3: Yeah, Dave Thomas.
0: That's crazy
3: started in Florida I believe.
1: You know it's an insanely profitable business but is often overlooked. It's kind of unique I think to Wakefield. But <laughs> you want to talk about a monopoly. Um bungee jump it's oh, yeah. the hey, so, largest bungee jump in Canada in, in North America that it's fixed because it's fixed to one place. And dude, the amount of money they it's 130 bucks a jump. Basically, you're paying a 15-year-old kid to like and, and your insurance cost is high, fair enough. But other than that, and those guys are making money hand over fist. Like it's hey, so this, this exactly my point.
3: Uh, bungee jumping is interesting. I don't know if I want to get to that because again, I think local barrier entry and I think you could also get stupid competition. But I do agree though, like, but so Actually, where my first thought is, is I really want to try and get into the entertainment business. In what way? Like, not like movies and shit, but like, not like not making movies. But um, I think that uh, since the beginning of time, people have sought entertainment. (laughs) Like, right, right, it's just a universal thing. Um, I also think if you look at people's buying patterns, I don't believe that people spend less on entertainments during recessions. They're not cyclical businesses. And they also, you can also find many examples of businesses that can have local monopolies um, with an entertainment industry. Like putt-putts, for example, like mini golfing, dude, like mini golfing, I think is just an interesting thing. Right. Um, And I don't even necessarily know, like I arcades, for example, you know, and a lot of these businesses can kind of get tied together, but I, I really do believe like arcades and like mini putts and golf simulators golf seminars being like a a very like like not like you wouldn't want to build your entire business around that Mm -hmm. very very lucrative very high gross margin businesses with relatively low fixed costs yeah and also monkeys can run them like when i say monkeys i usually mean like minimum wage minimum wage staff
0: have you given like any specific um source or, or kind of entertainment like a serious look
3: I mean, the the one that I've kind of lingered on the most is uh mini golf.
0: Hmm.
3: Not, and you wouldn't necessarily want to build it around only mini golf. I mean, like anything else you'd want to have concession. You'd want to have like, <clears throat> you want to have like multiple streams of revenue out of one building. Right? right. So like arcade mini golf. Right. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a fantastic business.
2: So just thinking about this for a bit, I see a problem. Um, which is it starts getting too complicated too fast, okay? And let's let's play this hypothetical game. We we own this private equity firm. This is like five years later, and we start buying these putts and bowling alleys and movie theaters. Okay, whatever it's cash flowing us, but someone's got to manage these locations constantly. Yes, we can place. We will place people there but if if truly at the heart of it what we're doing is finding a business that is undervalued and then which us... all is
3: already happening in private equity already sorry like like it's we're we're, we're finding businesses that are underappreciated potentially yes correct and yeah, but the undervalued part, I don't think, is actually going to be the difficult part. What's the difference? Okay, we'll keep going with what you're saying.
2: Yeah, sure. So if that's really what we're doing, then I I guess I just don't see the benefit of all the energy. Because we're not just going to buy these businesses and hold. We're going to buy and do some sort of flipping on them to like increase. Oh, you're just buying and holding. Interesting. John's nodding his head.
3: Yeah, no. I, these are not these are not buys and flips. So they're buys right? and they're buys and buy more.
2: <laughs> no, but no, but we're not flipping. <laughs> but you're not going to improve them. You're not going to arbitrage them. You're not going to put any effort to like systemize it. Like if oh, I no, own, no. like well, if we no, own no, the I mean, mini pot, like I'm going to run a yeah. Facebook ad campaign. No, no, no. For look at,
3: look at. Yes, no, no. There's definitely an aspect of uh, potentially increasing the operations. But what I was trying to get at is that finding businesses that. Fine. Maybe they're not being operated perfectly, but that, but that's, but that's actually not necessary. I mean, fine. If we find a business that isn't, has really good economics and it's just not being run properly, then that's, that's fine. Okay, fine. But the the goal is not necessarily improve operations dramatically that you're missing the point here. It's to buy high quality businesses at low valuations merely because the guy's retiring and doesn't, can't run it anymore. And his kids aren't going to run a fucking ball.
2: But yeah, but what's the goal here to make money? Isn't it?
3: Yes, but not so much off of buying and selling the businesses. But I would say the business through cash would flow. Be the, correct. Yeah. Dividends. uh, Not even necessarily through dividends, but just, yeah.
2: Well, it's going to cash flow into our holding companies. Isn't that just, we can just call that dividends from the operating, that well, each of them will be their own operating businesses. We're going well, to pay we, dividends I mean, to our holding. Pay,
3: yes, but whether or not you pay dividends is not the important part. Uh, like that's actually, if, if we could continue buying more businesses, then we wouldn't pay dividends.
2: Sure. Can't yeah. we just shortcut that whole process if we can find an undervalued business in a stock market that's like a micro cap company? No,
3: no no no, but this is no the reason no, but yes and no, but um we have more control. So first of all, one like and also Amher, there's not that the, the 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 land of private businesses, like uh like I'm not I'm not exaggerating to say like ninety-nine point nine percent of businesses in America are not publicly traded. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know, I know. So I'm saying the landscape is far greater. Like Amher. If if I was trying to buy real estate, I would be knocking on doors. I yeah. wouldn't be fucking looking through MLS. Like, I'm not saying we don't buy publicly traded businesses, but like, I mean, I'd gladly still do that with my capital. But the reason why we would is you get lower valuations privately. And also you can, you can there's a lot of businesses that actually are fantastic businesses that just aren't publicly traded.
2: Yeah, but there are some. That are both publicly traded, yeah, and undervalued. Yeah, they exist. So if we yeah, just hard find, to find, but, they but if exist. we ju- okay, let's say we do find one of those conditions, why wouldn't we just put millions into this one thing versus oh well because, diversifying? Uh,
3: because you can't raise capital that way. Like we we can start a fund, but that's a totally different thing. I mean, that's it, it, totally it's a totally different fund. Like I mean, we, we, yeah.
2: Do you really want to work with investors? I would. Is that a life? You Honestly, buy? if
0: you had,
3: uh, I wouldn't want. I wouldn't want to invest uh, investors' money into publicly traded businesses. Fuck no. But to raise capital um, to buy a private business, yeah, no, I have no issue with it.
2: Okay, but would you rather do it with investors or without investors?
0: Um, that's kind of a
3: like
2: it a, wouldn't. Honestly, it wouldn't make a difference to me. I mean, because that's a, that's very interesting.
0: Well,
3: uh, no, I mean, but like, no, I mean, like, obviously, if I had infinite money, I'd rather do it fucking without investors. But I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have infinite money, so I mean, like, the price tag of businesses that I can buy. Is going to be far greater. I mean, like, I am not going to be able to buy a five million dollar business,
2: John. What do you think? Okay, so about... your bottleneck is is cash on hand. That's your main bottleneck. So you are yeah, trying. I mean, I, so I this think, this private this equity point, firm yeah. is solving for more cash for John. If you if John had enough cash, he wouldn't have a private equity firm. He would just invest privately. Into not necessarily.
3: no, no I, I, not even no not even necessarily actually I don't even believe that's the case because I mean let's say you give me 100 million dollars I would try and buy businesses that are a billion I would just raise money to buy you know like at any given moment I'm gonna try and buy well I mean I don't know if that's the case actually because yeah up until about uh, I don't even know. I mean, maybe, maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But there is a certain point where you do get big enough where like you're no longer looking at overlooked businesses. I mean, once you get into that billion dollar range, then it's mostly public traded. There's not a lot of there's very few publicly private businesses that are over a billion. Like most private businesses are going to be probably under fifty million, right? So, but I would I, I mean I would have no problem raising capital to to do a deal, yeah.
0: John, what do you think about the, um, and Amber too, the potential for pretty much taking our business model that John and I run, which is like home improvement with a very structured front end, you know, sales, marketing admin, and then a very strategic production strategy, like take pretty much that business model and apply it to, um, cutting grass,
2: I've thought about this and I've, and I've looked entry. Yeah. It's, it's just ridiculously like unprofitable. It's not worth it. It's It's like house cleaning. It's like too low ticket. It's,
3: it's, it's, yeah. The issue with it is it it ends up just being a labor business and labor is just, it's, it's, it's too, and also uh, uh, ideally uh, Austin, I never want to compete against the customer
0: right yeah no i get that like and apple's I think never that, like
3: no one no one's ever like oh why would i buy an iphone i can just build one myself like yeah, yeah, is, yeah. no i understand right? like, and,
0: and roofing is naturally like a nice progression like painting you get that sometimes roofing you never get that joking, no, no right? roofing is better business
3: yeah. for that i mean like, yeah, yeah no i get area, that like, but the reason i say yeah. grass
0: cutting is that there are um a very specific clientele and a very specific type of neighborhood that has the disposable income and strictly does not want to do it. But I do think that if, if this came up like a few times, dude, their kids can summer cut their grass. Like I get what you're saying. Yeah, I know. I know. It's anything, just like, I, it's also I, like, not a funny in it?
3: Moat dude. Moat like, like Austin. Okay. Just picture this for a second. Okay. And I'm just going to use this as an example. Okay. But it's, it's, it's how easy is it for someone to enter your space to take away your profits? That's one of the things I'm looking at, okay? So let's say we owned a, um, let's see, boat storage, okay? What's the odds that another person could come in and buy, or sorry, and build another boat storage? Actually, reasonably likely. Reasonably likely, but it'd be difficult, okay? Especially because if we already have like, like let's say the current demand, This is, a, let's say like, I'm just making this up, but let's say there's a city with boats. Okay. Um, and it's a favorable demographic and there's a hundred and let's say you you, you do research and it's like, I don't know, 500 boats. Okay. And let's say on average, 30% of them. So you, you build a boat storage for 140 people. Okay. Well, unless the number of boats is growing, the other guy who's going to build this fucking boat thing, I'd give the guy a call and say, Hey, jackass, let me just do some fucking math for you. We're both going to sit at 50% vacancy rate. What's your break even? Mine's 50%. So Rather than you fucking being a dipshit and building a boat storage, how you, fuck off. You know what, well, you're going to build a boat storage, <laughs> so we both lose money? No, you dumbass, go fucking build somewhere else. That's how that conversation goes because there's only so many fucking boats. So if we find a city that has a great demographic, like let's say Nelson, where I'm from, there's lots of boats there. Now, the issue is people can store the boats in the water, right? But a marina is a fucking great business. Most cities only allow one marina. There's not multiple marinas. There's like one. Like in Chelsea Wakefield, is there a lake or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a river. Dude, most lakes have one marina. Mm -hmm. You have a monopoly. And then, okay, and then guess what? The marina has tons and tons of cash flow. There's like fixed costs. Like, okay, you replace a fucking, replace a few boards every year, right? Got a 17 year old kid who's like kind of hot. You know, she's like, you know, like selling fucking lemonade Mm -hmm. to guys, right? Like, you know, like it's fucking, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and then maybe eventually you build a fucking hotel on the property. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But, But my point being though is that, Getting into businesses where it's like, it's just, it's illogical for someone to come and compete against you is what I want to get into. Again, you have a movie theater. Okay. And I'm not saying we buy a fucking movie theater, but you got a movie theater, right? Okay. There's only so many people that go to movie theater. If, if you open up a second movie theater right next to me or, you know, across the street, it's like, man, like we're both going to lose money. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but, but see, the thing is, is like painting's not like that. People can just, open, like, I bet there's, like, more painting businesses this year than there was last year, right? Like, right. real estate agents is the dumbest fucking business ever. Because real estate agents are basically this. The market's slow, everyone quits, and fucking goes back and does whatever. And then the real estate's hot, and everyone's fucking becomes a real estate agent. <laughs> it's, like, the supply and demand of real estate. It's, like, 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 during peak booms, like, 1% of the population is, like, real estate agents, you know? <laughs> and then, naturally, everyone has a friend that's a real estate agent, so then everyone uses their friend, you know? It's, like... <laughs> you know, it's, I'm not saying it's, a, it's not a terrible, I mean, obviously a lot of people made a lot of money in real estate, agent, real estate agents, but I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't recommend it as trying to get like mega rich. It's a pretty, it's a hard business, right. Except for there is little niches, right. You know, maybe the, the one guy in Beverly Hills, you have a monopoly on it, but then the issue is succession. What are you going to do? Like fucking have your kid who's like, you know, so not a great business. Right. Um, mm-hmm. cause it's, you're, you're basically stuck as a, an S for the rest of your life They're just self-employed. Right. Um, but there's a lot of businesses that don't have this characteristic where it's it's illogical for someone to compete against you, right? So I I just want to buy businesses where it's illogical for anyone to ever compete against me.
2: So, so ideally you're raising, I just want to go back to this because I want to make sure I understand you. You want to raise money to buy a small business like that does, let's say $10 million a year.
3: Private businesses,
2: yeah. And then promise a return to the shareholders, like, sorry, to the investors, like, I will give you back 10%, 14% back on your money and then buy back our equity.
3: No. Make no promises
2: of return. Okay, sorry. No promises of return, but the goal is to have 100% equity of these businesses.
3: Yeah, I mean, we can offer liquidity and say, hey, like, we're more than happy to buy back shares from people, you know, on an annual basis. You know, we can sit down and we can talk about how much we think the business is worth and we can, we can, we're, we're, you know, the business will be willing to buy back, you know, like so we can offer some liquidity on an annual basis. Right. I, I'm by the way, I haven't hashed out any of these details whatsoever, but you could provide, like, the business could provide liquidity for people like, Hey guys, basically we're at any given moment, we're willing to buy you out at a guaranteed rate. That's lower than what we predict. Like, like if we think that we can reinvest money back in the business at 20%, and then we would be willing to buy you out at, like we're not going gonna to buy you out at a 15% return because, or, or sorry, uh sorry, we would buy you out at a 15% return because it's guaranteed versus like, you know, does that make sense? Like like if, if if I know that, okay, I can add, you know, one more room to my hotel that we own and I'll get around a 10% return by adding that room, then logically I, I would also be willing to buy out a partner at 10%. A return like on so 10 times earnings because it's like, okay, well, I mean, if we can add a room and it's it's most likely a 10% return, I would be willing to buy you out because I mean it's the same difference, right? So we could provide liquidity to shareholders and then maybe there's dividends too, right? But we could also explain to our, you know, our shareholders and be like, look at here's why we're not paying out a dividend, because you're getting more money through equity, like you own a certain percentage of the business. And you're, you're gonna get rich off equity right now if you want if you want a dividend model i mean that's different i mean and there might be a and there might be a, a a something there in the sense that if you are buying a high cash flow business and you're raising capital you might have to promise a certain dividend to shareholders in order to get them in right because otherwise why the hell would someone you know if they're 55 years old you know like maybe you say okay like you know in 10 years like you'll be able to sell out right and it'll be at a higher valuation because of X, Y, Z reasons, right? Um, but otherwise, some people might be looking for a dividend because, like, they're older and they're just like, hey, I want to invest in something and get some cash flow, right? And if I buy Telestock, I'm going to get a 4% dividend through you guys. It looks like I could probably, you guys could probably afford to pay 8% dividend, right? <laughs> like, these are all things that you'd have to, you know.
2: I, uh, I, I still don't understand why you'd want to raise capital versus just put that money into Ammer. I need stock. money what
3: are you talking about like I, I can't oh well Amher, uh it's if
2: you have a million dollars yes you can get yeah. another you can raise another three million to buy like a ten million dollar thing Well, you Amher, still own they, a million yeah. of it why not just put the million into a business
3: well Ammer. I mean
2: the... well that's what I am doing right now no but why would you ever do the other thing why would you ever do private equity yes I where are you? about this. No, but where you have investors. Lower
3: Amr, lower valuations and local monopolies.
2: There's a lot of local businesses. Yeah, but businesses. you can find like, you can find Amher, a, they're a, very, an undervalued. Yeah, yeah, but, there are few, few but then between. that becomes and, the bottleneck. You don't have to no. do anything
3: else. Amher, there's you also have, you don't have control over these businesses either. And also my return on my return, like my return, put it this way, if I raise, let's say I raise capital, okay, and and I get 50% of the business and they get the other 50% or whatever it is, right? My return on my investment is infinite. If I raise
2: capital. What do you mean infinite? Oh, because it's free. I didn't put
3: any capital into the deal. I raised money. if If I'm already investing my own money into publicly traded businesses, fine, like the best investors in the world get twelve percent return, fifteen percent return, twenty percent you know the best you know if you, you you'd be great, you'd be very, very savvy if you did fifteen percent a year annually like over a long period of time. you raise private equity. I mean, you could get an infinite return
2: yeah, but you're using examples that are not the same. You're comparing returns on like literally billions like trillion dollar hedge funds. I'm talking about like micro cap stocks that you can make forty to fifty percent return if you knew what you were doing.
3: Yeah, maybe, but it's it's certainly I mean it's certainly not something that um, it's not something to bet on. That's for sure.
2: No, of course not. But one is ridiculously less complex than the other and requires no, zero of your time. No, no,
3: no. Well, okay, hold on. No, it's not, Ammer. If if it's, someone you're
2: telling me the bottleneck like, is just to find this micro cap diamond. Then that just becomes the skill in itself to find this company that's publicly traded, that's yes. undervalued, that has a monopoly. They have.
3: Ammer, this is not actually. A, let me just re-explain this because once, like once you see what I'm seeing, this is not actually a, a remotely a complicated. It's not. Like, this is not even. A, this, okay. this is not actually a typical conversation. Okay. My the most I can ever get if I'm investing my own money, unless I'm using leverage is whatever my return is, is my return. Like like, I don't, like let's say, you know, you you have a million dollars to invest and your return is 15%, you're you're gonna get $150,000 in in increased value, okay? Whether it's dividends or appreciation, whatever, right? When you raise capital, that's a form of leverage. So you you can earn a lot. Well, no, it's not because it's equity. It's not debt, it's equity. I suppose I could do what you're saying and just do leverage buyouts. It's riskier. Raising equity partners is always safer than bond partners. So technically, if I wanted to, I could only—I could, I guess—we I could drop all of this and and just put my own name on every fucking thing and just do leverage buyouts. I don't necessarily want to do it because it's riskier. So I'm not against it. I just—and I, maybe a little bit of debt would be fine. But I'm saying to get to the next level, raising money is very logical as far as what it would do to my returns and both skill sets finding micro cap stocks finding small companies that have local monopolies is not that far off of buying private equity businesses that are also have local monopolies
2: yeah but but here but that's one you're using your time one you're using your money one is more scalable. no no, both
3: use your time both use your time both use your money there's not a difference between the two that way
2: Oh yeah. But one, like the, if you're investing in a stock, it's more in the front you're investing. Once you make the decision, you're done. That's not, the other one?
3: that's not true at all. Why not? Well, Amber, what you think you just buy a stock and just fucking put it in a tin can and walk off. No, of course not. You have to, no, you have to manage that. It's not, it's yeah.
2: Maybe that's what I'm I mean. I'll saying. agree
3: that finding the company is more, more time than maintaining it. I'm not going to lie that, but it's, it's by no means is it passive. Like in the sense that there's there's no work afterwards. Ammer the 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 return on my equity would be far greater through private equity than it would be if I'm investing my own money, right? It's just it's just I mean, yeah. At
2: the cost of your
3: time. Regardless, Ammer both are going to take up time, <laughs> and Ammer, logically no matter what I do is going to take up my time. If I want to get richer, I'm not expecting to just fucking sit on my ass and not. You know,
2: like, That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like, no, no, but Amher, but, but,
3: but, Amher, but regardless of whatever business I want to grow, it's going to take time. I mean, pure is going to take my time. Take my. I'm going to still try and grow pro pure. I'm still going to try and grow pro works. Like these are all things I'm going to try and do alongside. Yeah. Them. But so,
2: one takes time because you're manage and control the business. One takes time yeah. from that aspect. Whereas the other one, you manage and control your money, which requires significant less well, Amher, time.
3: But I mean, but similar. What's your point? I guess because I, I I I really don't like. I almost feel like this is not your 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 point that doesn't really make sense to me at this point.
2: The point is, why would you choose private equity over what I'm explaining? Well, I you. just
3: told you, and you seem to just not accept it for some reason.
2: Because <laughs> like, I, like I, I, don't, I don't, literally I don't told you, because I not
3: reason why. Why? What do you mean, Ammer? I just told you my returns would be greater. What, how is? What, what other reason do you need? Like, what do you, Amber, what do you want me to tell you other than my returns are greater? Like, are you looking for like a a third thing? Like, I just told you, like my returns are going to be far greater because I I have less equity in the, in the deal, unless I want to, unless I want to go on margin,
2: which is Ridiculously no, no, risky. No, no, no. I'm, I'm looking no, no. at time and complexity as well. Like those are other elements I'm looking I at. I mean, okay, look
3: at Amher. Is it more complex to do private equity? I'm not gonna fucking lie. Of course it is. It's 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 definitely more complex. There's no doubt. I'm just saying I see a great opportunity in private equity, right? Which, by the way, we're already in private equity. Okay. You we all own private businesses. We're already in private equity. Okay. We just we're managing our own private equity businesses. Like we're we're sort of managing our own operating businesses. There's more leverage in raising capital, buying bigger businesses that require very little management managerial ex- uh, expense, especially because we can find people that can do that for us that are much easier
2: uh, to find. All right, that makes more sense.
3: just digesting that or what?
2: Oh no, I'm just taking notes.
3: On a side note, one thing I've been thoroughly enjoying is uh, working with Brady, trying to improve his initial calls.
2: Um, Are you recording you coaching him or no? He records my calls. Do you record when you are coaching him? No. Blunder. You should record that because you can leverage that when you're training the next sales rep.
0: Blunder. Blunder. I, I should do that as I well. Mean, I, don't know, I don't know. how watchable they would be, but
3: they are.
2: They are. I they see. really are. I could guarantee. They so, Ammer, you because okay, you well, record you your your Q
0: and A calls, but... right? That's where you're getting this from initially. No, should... no, it's
2: like when I'm training the people on my team. Mm, and you yeah, record okay, all of it.
3: You, you think they're going to value later? I am not, not, not saying they're not, but I just you know we, we're not necessarily. I mean, I, we all know how training videos are actually watched. But I um yeah, I think it's a good idea. I think I would definitely want to want to record certain aspects of uh, the calls for sure. Um, Like me training him, but where I was going to go with that is that I, uh, man, time is an interesting thing. From which angle? Well, there's, it seems like there's certain things that just require a certain amount of just experience. Like, because there are certain things I'm teaching Brady that like, like he gets, but there's a certain slickness or a smoothness that's just like, how do you coach that? Right. Like how do you coach flow and tonality and, mm-hmm. and like pitch, you know? Um, okay. Amber, go ahead.
2: Yeah. So, well, this was a bottleneck that I ran into, which is like, oh man, it's because what I found with the calls that we do, the initial calls that we do, it really is 50, 50, 50% tonality, pitch, confidence, style, mm-hmm. cadence, 50% tactics in the script. So it's so it's like well how do you teach the other 50%? And sure. I I got a lot of coaching from that over like the past couple of months and it really actually comes down to like the the salesperson's confidence in self and their philosophy and mindset around what is happening during this conversation. Mm. I find myself a lot of the time coaching dude this is not A sales call. You're not selling anything. You're not selling. Yes. Yes. If you are selling something, Brady, show me where in the script you ask for their credit card. Oh, you don't. Interesting. What are you doing here? You're literally doing customer service. This person put their hand up and they are saying, I have a problem in my house. Yeah. And you have been chosen out of courtesy from them to maybe help them with this problem. So help them with this problem.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually coach him exactly this way. So <laughs> like, yeah, no, I, literally everything you're saying, like Brady like, if Brady, like Brady is listening to this and he's laughing right now because I, I literally tell him, you're just talking to a friend. Like, imagine like your friend came up to you oh, and, it is. at a dinner party and said, Hey, I want to get my house painted. The first thing you'd say is, well, what do you want to get painted? And then he would tell you and you're like, okay, sounds good. Like, why do you want to get a painted? He's like, well, oh, he's like, okay. Like, and you ask some details and things like that. And then you'd say, well, here's how you do it. And here's some value. You know, you, you know, you, you build up value as far as like, wh- why it needs to be done a certain way. Hey, when do you want to do it? And then, you know, okay, sounds good. Uh Awesome. Okay. Well, I, I mean, in order for us to actually, are you serious about this? I mean, I'm not to come by and do a quote. It's probably, you know, it's going to take about this time. Okay. Hey, also like friend like you know i just want to make sure i'm not wasting your time or my time like are you planning on doing this this year like if i want to come up you know it's like it's it's actually the same conversation you have customer service Yeah. And relaxed. And like, I actually joke with Brady a lot, like as a joke, like I kind of, it's not, maybe it's showing off, but like, a lot of times I just like, kind of like, I, I joke with him and like, I go like this when I'm on the call. And like, I just, no, like I got like, coach, exactly. I like go like this and show him like, I'm loose right now. Or like, I'll like be joking around. Like on one of the calls today, I was doing shoulder presses while, like while the client was like explaining something, you know? And I was just joking around with him. Cause I'm like, dude, this is how loose you want to be. Right. So I yeah. get, get everything you're saying. However, it seems like experience still is a fucking thing. Like it's like, there's, there's a certain aspect that's like, I get Mm -hmm. what you're saying. And I am coaching for that hammer, but there's just, even Trisha said it. She's like, man, like there's just a certain fucking slickness that you just have. And I wasn't obviously always like that. Right. But there's, there seems to be a certain experience aspect to a lot of this, like just time off. It's not actually a bad thing.
2: Yeah, I would actually argue it's not experience within the role with the script. It's actually experience socializing with people and and your, like, so, and yes, your self I confidence. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree.
3: I agree with that. Man. I 100% agree so with that because I even is... said it. I yeah, 100% because I even said to uh, uh, to uh, Brady, I said um, I said you know a lot of this actually uh, is like, just like I said, I said, a break today. I said a lot of this is not even, I'm not even trying to give you advice on just how to communicate on an initial call. This is actually just communication advice in general. Like, because one of the things I was, I was trying to uh, get him to really see today, there was two, there was two clear things. The stuff that we talked about in the last call, I'm not going to rehash that, but that, okay. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back to it. But two things, one, there's a difference between you saying something and someone understanding what you're saying, which may seem like, what's the distinction? Well, how much of what you actually said and what you meant for the other person to take from it was actually translated? Like, what was your hit rate, right? We've kind of talked about this like a long time ago on the podcast, right? Because Brady was like saying, like thought he was saying something. And and then I get to the end of the call and I said, Okay. So I, I want, cause he, I ended one of his calls say he had this big smile on his face. I'm like, I don't want to fucking shit in your mouth right now, but that didn't go nearly as well as you thought it did uh-huh. <laughs> because shit basically like, mouth. I didn't say that, but, <laughs> but, but the point being was that he thought that he had set it up at the right time. And I said, there's two major objections that you didn't fully clear. And i went through them with him and I'm, yeah, i don't mm. want to rehash at all because i don't want this to turn to initial call breakdown but point being that there was two massive objections that he thought he handled that he actually didn't i said no those are still present you didn't you she, i don't and i said i'm open to being wrong here i said i'm open to her actually maybe actually understanding exactly what you said but i didn't understand what you said so odds are she didn't either right so mo- most likely you didn't actually clear these up as much as you thought you did like these I, and i said to him like write this down because when you go to that quote, if one of these like I guarantee this is what you if you don't book it, the, these are one of the two reasons, you know, one of these two. Okay. So that was big. Um and then uh uh the first thing was that uh, yeah, sending a clear message. And then what was the second thing? Um hit rate. Yeah, objection. I guess the hit rate. There, was, there was a second thing.
1: Handling.
3: Objections. Uh no, but it wasn't it, but it wasn't even an objection handling because it was actually less you know, because he tried handling the objection. He actually said yeah. things roughly how he was supposed to but it was just like a difference of wording like one of them i could just just i'll tie it just to uh, just give some sauce on it just so you can understand like one of them was um she uh wouldn't have the money to do the project until april 3rd but he's going out to do the quote now and the way he said he asked her the question about whether she could make a decision everything that the way she answered was like loosely yeah i can book now but we're gonna have to do the painting once i have more money and he loosely said, okay, so like we're, you know, we'll come to the quote now, you'll book and we'll do it in April. Right. But he didn't hanging. specify clear. Yeah. He like, he, he left it. So it's like, mm, unless you spe- take the box, but it's like, not, not enough. Yeah. Like, Hey Jackie. So I just want to make sure I'm hearing you properly. Oh, this was the thing I was trying to teach him confirming what the person said. This is massive. And, and is actually one of the biggest things that I've really gotten out of my relationship with Trisha is like really confirming what she's saying to me. Right. Cause that's a huge thing, right? Like confirmation, right? Oh, so in landmark so, exactly, they call it
2: recreation. Can you recreate yeah. the person's state and statements?
3: Yeah. Well, it's actually in in uh, in debate. Is I, I actually learned this when I was, I, I was in debate class in high school, and this is one of the things is like it's like steel manning is a thing. Like, can you state the other person's argument in its best form, right? And like in communication, it's like, can you restate what the person's saying to you such that they would agree to it, basically? Like they would sign off on it, right? So, hey, Jackie, so like, I just want to make sure like, so basically you aren't going to have the money to do the painting until April 3rd, but I am going to come out to do the quote in advance. So I'm going to come out next week. And even though the painting's not going to be done until April 3rd, you'll know whether or not you can go ahead with the painting so we can collect the deposit and whatnot, you know, lock you in for the 10% discount, but then we'll we'll do the remainder of the project in April 3rd. Like, is that, is that kind of, you know, I just want to make sure I, I we got this right. Yes, Brady. That's exactly what I meant. Like, yeah, I, I'm willing to pre-book for April. I know I can't do it until then, but until I get my money, you know, tax return, whatever. Or she would say, oh, oh, I see you're saying, no, no, no. I wouldn't know if I could do the project until April 3rd. Like I can't make any decisions until then. Oh, okay. Jackie, I d- totally appreciate that you clarified that for me. Okay. So what's actually best then just for your, your time and my time is let me come out on April 4th then. Right. But because he didn't have that, just that little, just that little, so it's just reconfirming what they're saying to you, right? Yeah, I love that. Um, so, but what was really fun about today in particular was that, so we, he he did an initial call and I said, here's like three things that, you know, that basically he didn't quite get right, you know, back to the not having both decision makers, their thing, like saying like, uh, I don't know if you're going to book that one because I, I don't know if she fully got the... So then the next call I got on the phone with someone and, you know, it's, 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 it's like in the same neighborhood, same, you know, cold call lead. Like it's, everything's basically this, you know, there's no reason why my, my lead would be better than his kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, and I hit all of those major points for him. Like I was, I had, I have enough skill that I'm like, I'm able to like, like, I'm literally looking at him, like mouthing, like, you know, showing him like what I'm doing. Like, Hey, like, you know, this is this one, you know, like this is what we talked about. Right. And, uh, it was just, it was fun to have that ability to train someone like that. And just, but also have it be like, cause Brady is like a friend of mine in a lot of ways, you know? Like I would consider him a friend just as much as a business partner that way, if that makes sense. And it's so fun doing work with someone like that, right? Like even Jocelyn and I are like, are kind of like buds, you know? Like 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 she would like be anti-Jocelyn to my kids one day, you know? And there's a certain kind of family or just, you know, personal relationship you can have with people that just makes it way more fun, but also just easier to train someone, right? Like, cause there's a certain... There's a certain way of like it's more you can speak to them in a much more blunt and more efficient way, but also there's just like like we're we're just in my like living room, like we're just in my living room, sitting on a couch, and me just kind of explaining sales to this guy, you know. And it's or Brady, it's just so much fun, right?
2: So I don't know. Yeah, dude. One of our company values we've intentionally built is is like tr- having fun. Whenever it feels getting too serious, we're like ah, come on, man, you know, we play some music or we do some banter. or, roast each other
3: do you guys uh uh, is it all virtual
2: all virtual except with joe lives in toronto so we just work like we have an in-person every week where we just go work out together sauna steam room cold shower
3: yeah that's one thing i like about my uh because brady and i live in the same place he just comes over to my place twice three times a week and just do calls together and then we obviously do the the sauna and workout six days a week together so it's just like we always are in communication i can't wait to get a physical location so that i can like yeah when are you
0: doing that john you said this year yeah, I think I should be able to do, I should be
3: able to, I mean, I'll definitely be able to close on a property, whether it's the property I want to close on, I might have to choose a smaller property because basically if by the sum, end of the summer, I might be able to buy the building house hack that I want to do just based on logistics of, I think, invest, I think commercial business owners and clone are out to fucking lunch, I'll tell you that much. I guess, like, why would I buy your commercial property to four and a half cap when the fucking government's gonna loan me money or I can loan the government money at four and a half percent? Like, go get, go fuck yourself. Like, this is no like, like, you bought this, you overpaid for this, you know, two years ago, thinking that you were gonna get a return on this. It's like, I I hate to break the news to you. It's like, whether you, I maybe I'm wrong and you can bet against me. But the thing is, is like, here's this low ball offer that's not actually low (laughs) ball. Basically, right? Like here, like you want two point one, I'll give you one point three, which I know is disappointing to you. Eight hundred thousand dollars—a lot of money. But at some point in time, I I feel like you have to face the reality. So either I'm out to lunch or you're out to lunch, right? Like it's. We'll, we'll, I guess that's we'll true. find out in a year from now, right? But that's that's kind of conversations I'm having right now. Is people mm. are just totally out to lunch. Like, well, I have this building that's fifty percent vacant, and if they all paid ten percent more than the current market rate, uh, and we and we do it at a four and a half percent return if you bought it in cash. This is how much it's worth. Okay, motherfucker. What like <laughs> like first of all, one, why am I paying for a fully rented out building when only 50% is vacant? Like 50% vacant. It's like if it's so easy for you to do it, then how about you go fucking rent, rent those out and fucking tell me, you know, and then, and then we'll retalk, right? So maybe it's not. So maybe there should be a discount for that. Also, two, why are we using 10% above current market rate? Oh, because that's where rates are gonna be. Who the fuck says that? Like you and your crystal ball? Like, no, I'm not buying, I'm not you know let's even if we use today's rate why am i paying four and a half percent again if the government risk free rate's four and a half or four four on, percent on one year you know okay fine three and a quarter on on ten years why am I only paying why am I only paying a, a 20% premium above above risk free or why why are you demanding only 20% like no like obviously if I'm gonna buy commercial real estate in Kelowna it's obviously way riskier than the fucking government of Canada. Like what what are we talking about here, right? But but these guys are totally out to lunch because it's like a lot of these investors like the one thing i'll, I'll say about Kelowna so far I, out of all the properties of a lot of these guys overpaid a year ago
4: hmm.
3: like they bought at sky high valuations a year ago like so like and then now that a lot of them are trying to sell interesting so that's that's what i'm dealing with is i'm, I'm dealing with a lot of people that are like you just gotta wait for like that yeah. Well, no, I don't think it's a matter of waiting them out. It might be a fucking, it might meet them in court. Like all these guys might foreclose on these properties. I mean, this guy, like I did the math. I mean, I, unless this guy bought cash, he's losing six grand a month right now.
0: Mm.
3: Right. Like on this one property that like, it was super ideal actually, but I, I did the math. It's like, you know, even if he's, even if he's, even if he bought cash, his holding cost right now, like is insane. Like, like, yeah, it's not, I mean, it, he's, he's getting a terrible return. Even if he bought cash true so anyway that's what i'm facing up. so i might have to buy a smaller property but yes i will definitely close by the end of the year but what's making me really exciting though is that i think i'm gonna try and uh like it'll just be fun to just like tie everything into one you know like like it will be fun to eventually like me you know maybe i can't do it this year because of just capital restraints and things like that but it'll be fun to eventually like get like a physical location where i can manage like all, all my operating businesses from one hub like where everyone's friends with one another like oh like that's the painting division that's the pure division that's the you know fucking that's the putt putt division you know like everyone just you know, <laughs> you know? oh yeah, yeah. that guy's with the marina you know yeah
0: yeah J M group of companies
2: yeah jnm a family company
0: jm3 <laughs> uh yeah you could uh, own three businesses and that way it's the J three
2: yeah, you can never uh, buy more.
3: A...
0: I always joke with Trisha the most. Uh, the most
3: Caribou Johnson, a family brand, trusted since 1867. Is that oh, I know, a real slogan. I never heard that. No, it's no. I, I no. I just I laugh because I like. I I met this guy and I was like, "What's your name?" He's like Caribou Johnson, and I was like, "Yeah, that's the most like trustworthy name I've ever heard in my entire life." <laughs> Caribou Johnson. <laughs> like I just, this guy's like, name is Caribou. His name was Caribou Johnson though, but he but he's one of those guys that like, he's like caribou johnson you know like it was just like it's just the most like aggressive trustworthy when did you name meet this all- guy uh i don't even know like a few years back
0: yeah damn caribou johnson
3: yeah i was like john morgan's like caribou johnson you know it's just it was just the most trustworthy name ever you know damn yeah
2: also you so say you have to leave in eight minutes yeah like absolutely
0: yeah oh yeah wow. i'm dying man i was up at 3 30 this morning to catch a flight oh and I'm up at, I'm up at five tomorrow, so I'm, I'm kind of dying.
2: Okay. Yeah. I uh, wanted to share. Why I've been Michael. pretty
0: quiet. Honestly, I've just been like,
2: you've been yeah, dozing. I'm not,
0: I'm not here. Um, what were you going to say?
2: I just wanted to share. What, it seems like you guys really like this this mini segment, but I wanted to share what I learned from the from the dating course. I then oh it I love <laughs> oh my why god! Why do we keep this people?
0: for the end, bro? Dude, Amber. come on, dude, Amber. Know. How the hell
1: do you
3: get me
2: talking what about a equity? Joke. And, and
0: yeah,
3: like Austin's out here almost almost had me fucking go off on a bank rant again. And meanwhile, you're out here trying to get your dick sucked. Like, what? I, I want to hear about this.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no! I'm not allowed to date John um
0: What a joke!
2: So I learned some dating myths. Okay, and I'm gonna throw them at you. i want to see if you guys agree. So okay. the first myth is that divorces have been increasing. I a, uh,
3: yes, it's it's completely false.
2: It's a completely so. Here's the thing.
3: Can I explain why? Because I, I would love because
2: totally. Yeah, take yeah, take take a shot at it. I have some so data. The here divorce
3: too. rate is is actually the most bullshit metric ever because. Uh, and again i'm just going to make up a stat because you know 87.3 percent of all statistics are made at the time of saying the statistic right so um but like something something close to like 75 percent of the divorces are done by like one group of individuals like so it's like like when people say oh the divorce rate's 50 percent." i'm like yeah but my mom is responsible for five of them yeah so like that's not fair it's it's actually deceiving because a, a, a marriage that someone who gets married once and they never get a divorce, they have one successful marriage. My mom is responsible for five divorces. So like that's, that's, so that's an irrelevant match. Yeah. So crazy. let me, let me, let me yeah. hit
2: some stuff at you guys. I'll just go bullet point. Boom. Um, One that I found. So there's like taboo around divorces, which really shouldn't be because you're Uh, the way he explains it is. So, In 1968, and this is in Canada, there was the Divorce Act, which actually allowed you to get divorced if you wanted. There wasn't reason, like it didn't have to be adultery or something like that. In 1968, Mm. you can just get divorced. And during that time, there's also been confounding variables of the sexual revolution and the feminist revolution. So all of a sudden people were realizing that In a good relationship, you have to have love, that there has to be equity, that you're allowed to want more in a relationship. And so that's what happened. And then in 1986, almost 20 years later, uh, so the way it works, it's like you get separated and then you get a divorce. But in 1986, they changed it where you you don't have to go through mandatory three years of separation. Now it can only be one year. Of separation then you can get a divorce mm. um and if you actually look at the stats the people that are getting divorced it's only going up with people in their 60s and 70s who would be from this generation that i'm talking about mm-hmm. so uh that's that's the first myth i have a couple more points but i want to keep this brief um so here's a fun fact people that were married in the 1990s um actually there's uh they're like the highest group of people that are making it to their 50th anniversary so it's it's actually way way better second myth being in a relationship is better than being single so i think we can i think that's a pretty straightforward one i don't know if you guys agree
0: being in a relationship is better than that's a myth single yeah that's the myth
2: that it's not and necessarily true. I,
3: uh,
0: it's so subjective.
3: How would you, you define you would better? Argue. Yeah.
2: I don't know how you would
3: ever argue either. Or. I would I
2: say I disagree. So the, the argument here is that, oh, if you're happy here or like you're unhappy, being in a relationship will make you happier.
3: Mm. oh i i disagree with that yeah man. i think that's a myth yeah no, i know correct if 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 it's that being in a relationship will make you happier than being single i disagree yeah, yeah. i think i think happy individuals are happy in relationships and unhappy individuals are unhappy in relationships
2: yeah man. so i learned that you know as soon as you put your happiness on a relationship it can then become like a like now it can be taken away from you so you're only happy if you're in a relationship or rather he yeah. says you should be happy yeah, first agree. and then 100%. you can get into a relationship yeah so I that's agree. that's a pretty straightforward one Here's another myth. Love cannot last.
3: Well, obviously it's a myth. I mean, yeah.
2: Yeah. So love can last. And What are your thoughts on that, Austin? Do you think love cannot last?
0: No, I think that's a myth.
2: Yeah. So here's something interesting. Helen Fisher did a study where they got people who were in a relationship uh, for 20 years and asked them, are you in love? And their brain basically lit up. In a certain way. And then they ask people in the honeymoon phase of the relationship and they ask them, are you in love? And their brains lit up the same as the people who are in in a 20-year relationship. So Mm, it could definitely be an (laughs) Myth number four, I'll never love again. I think that's a pretty simple one. That's just like people who kind of like get up. Myth number five, every relationship needs to last forever.
3: Yeah, I would say it's also a myth, yeah.
2: yeah. And he talks about here like expectation versus intention. If you are expecting like oh now we have to stay together forever, it, it that's just very toxic whereas no, versus a relationship
3: could definitely serve its its it could serve its purpose, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, versus intention where if you say what do I need to do today to make my relationship thrive and last, then you can actually, you know, kind of create something like that. So
0: Man, those are some pretty good points to start off with. I'm glad you're doing that, man.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I, I can I, see
0: how like that would establish or break like foundational beliefs you maybe don't even know you had, right?
2: Total dude, this is yeah, this has been crazy good for me. Yeah, damn. And then I learned about the history of relationships and how they come from, where they come from. And uh basically he says most people are afraid of of a divorce because society, we've been taught that there's a hierarchy of relationship status. Okay, you're married, that's the best. Then below that is engaged then below that is dating, then below that is single, then below that is divorced. You know? so. <laughs>
3: oh, interesting. That's so,
2: so funny. He says, like, who said that? Like, the the longevity of a relationship does not necessarily correlate to the happiness of – or mm. the, the success and the health of that relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's all these things like, oh, we have to be married by 30 as men we have to be providers are like actually mimetic things that are taught to us that we never actually sat down and decided for ourselves right, 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 right. um if they're from within that's better but well i would have
3: some pushback on that i mean yeah i
2: think i think there's some wisdom from the tradition but he's saying don't accept things blindly actually accept them logically don't just accept things at face value yeah, I what agree he, with that yeah that's but what don't he's necessarily saying i honestly
3: agree with him saying
2: that it okay yeah again, i never said saying. men are not supposed to be providers i never said that i'm just saying you get taught that maybe that's like a net positive for you to believe, but it's only as effective as like you truly believing it and not just blindly following it.
4: Right. Sure. So
2: he talks about this story where like he he has he gets a fiance. He's twenty seven years old, and now he wants to get married, but he doesn't want to. And then all his friends are like, "Oh, you're just afraid of commitment. It's normal." Um. He just kind of felt like his his emotional experience was be- being steamrolled. When really, when he sat there and, and thought about it, he wasn't truly happy in the relationship. He wasn't truly compatible with mm. her, but he, but he wanted to meet these checkpoints, and he felt like he's this. He was on this treadmill to have to meet these certain milestones, right, right, right. Um, That he was discounting his own feelings to stay in the story. Um. So these are just reinforced narratives that are that are learned from like Disney or culture and religion. Um, when really, you know. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. So it's crazy um, Disney. That was a fucking impact. So he went. I want. So this is the best part I wanted to share to you guys, which is during this time, he went on like Google and stuff. And this is back in the day. And he found this forum that doesn't exist anymore. And it's called The Runaway Bride, which is a forum for people who are scared of uh, wanting to leave a marriage or they want to stop an engagement and in it one of the most popular posts is this guy asks the reader to ask themselves these questions and these were the questions the first one is if she left you tomorrow would you be okay and the context for that it's not like you know i'm not talking about like would you be devastated but like ultimately be okay because you have independence it's it, it's it's more like if she left tomorrow would you feel lighter Like, oh, like the weight was off your Mm. shoulder. A little bit more freedom. That's the first question. If she left tomorrow, would you be okay? The second question is, could you imagine what it would be like waiting for her at the altar? So you're getting married, you're waiting at the altar, and she's about to walk towards you, kind of walk down the aisle. Mm. What feeling do you, do you experience gratitude and happiness and joy? Or do you feel anxious mm. or like fear or, or or any negative emotions? And then the final question is, could someone else love her better? Because she deserves that. If you truly and if you truly care for this person, do you truly feel like there's somebody else out there could give her more than what you're giving her? Could is there someone out there that could love her better than you? Hmm. And if yes, if you said yes to any of these questions, then it's like there's some revisions that need to be made, or you need to exit the relationship. Yeah. So I found those questions to be like, whoa, uh, like powerful, crazy good questions. Um.
0: Okay, I gotta.
3: I gotta. Do you want to be? Here? I was gonna say I want to be mindful of the fact that Austin. Yeah, that's it.
2: Um, we're three minutes over.
0: But uh, I'm gonna like you guys can still hang out here, but yeah um i'm gonna jump off Ammer. next time start with that shit <laughs> okay okay i will i will okay cheers guys
2: all right see you man
0: hey listeners thanks so much for tuning in this week as usual you can find us on instagram at the weekly call pod or through email at the weekly call pod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.